Best believe I punched Keanu Reeves and it was better than any scene you could see in Speed. I hit John Wick and now I'm feeling so appealing. Basically, I'm a god. You could call me Hercules. I think that's how he says it. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slate. Hello everyone and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week we're finding out Spider-Man has no way home, Mike. Oh. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know yet. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, Superman is getting another film reboot. Mm, down in the historical archives when humanity has perished. How, there will be 5,000 Superman films. How many do we have so far? I don't know. I'm going to have to think about this <laughs> as we get, when we get to that section. Uh, Paramount Plus is launching this week for people who need another mm-hmm. streaming service in their life and more. Yeah, how many people even know what Paramount is, right? I mean, I would love to see like the Nielsen research data for like the just – the just casual knowability of the brand of Paramount Plus. Yeah, well, I mean, that's we've talked about this. The whole idea, everyone's giving plus to their naming systems, right? Everyone, everyone's got a mm-hmm. plus now. But when I don't, when I think of uh, TV shows and movies, I don't think Paramount. Like CBS had a better ring to it. Like CBS All Access is what it's evolving from. CBS felt more natural than uh, than than Paramount. But I mean, you know, if NBC wants to go with Peacock. Who are we to tell them, Mike? You know what? I know that there's a lot of haters out there for HBO putting Max on there and the, and then NBC calling it Peacock. But like at the same time, at least they did they did the creative thing and they didn't just slap a little symbol mm-hmm. at the end of their streaming service. So I'll give them props for that. But um, you know, I, I was thinking like, how should we introduce the show today? And I just wanted to say good morning, everybody, because I feel like you know when I used to you know actually leave the apartment and I wasn't in a pandemic, you know, I would listen to podcasts when I was in my car on the go, and it was usually on Monday morning, like on my commute. So you know, uh, good morning, everybody, if yeah. uh, you're listening to us in the AM, and I hope you have a great day. And then on the other side, good night if you're listening to us before you go to bed, because you want <laughs> yes, to hear us as, in your ears as you go to sleep. And you know we have we have fans all across the globe. If we could pat our own back, so uh-huh. you know who knows what time zone that they're in. So well, um, well in that uh, case, good night and good luck. I'm just going to go ahead and and and, and jump down to the bowl. I'm going to give a shout to uh, one of our newest listeners, a friend of mine, JC Porter, who uh, gave us a nice review on Facebook and recommended people listen to us. Uh, this week actually just i woke up to it this morning it was a pleasant surprise he did i, I mean jc you probably had to do this at like three in the morning right i mean it looked like it's said five hours post to go when i woke up at nine <laughs> i'm like that's that's early in the morning so it may be nighttime for him uh but you know i mean jc and i went to went to high school together elementary school and he uh we played a lot of halo growing up together which is actually one of our topics this week oh my gosh chris i cannot wait literally to talk about the halo section in the show because it's been so long and i love talking about halo with you because you are so familiar with the lore and the franchise and i'm just like this casual dude that will just say anything i want about the franchise and then usually you tell me i'm wrong and you mm-hmm. disagree with me and we have a lot of fun yeah so well, i'm that's, looking forward to that section i think the that's the dynamic of the whole show isn't it where <laughs> yes exactly where i come with an informed opinion and you're like 
Yeah, whatever. Uh, and I have feelings and emotions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, he hasn't even looked at this list most of the time. I mean, we're just winging it as we go here. Um, but yeah, thank you, JC, for the shout out and the review. And uh, I hope you stick around and listen to more because, you know, we've been doing this over six years now. Uh, and that's just mind blowing to me. That yes. It's been that long. So. And on to the, the the last shout out of the show. Yeah. Happy birthday to friend of the show, uh, Quentin Parker. He was here uh, from the beginning, early yeah. on. He was one of our first guests of the show. Uh, he was a very nerdy influence in my uh, in my life. And uh, so we are giving him the birthday present yeah. of plugging his Twitch channel, uh, Bougie Q, over on Twitch. And we got that link in the show notes if you can yeah. find him there. And uh, I have to admit, he, he streams, I, I believe it's pretty much 100% Apex Legends over there. And I know nothing about Apex Legends. So when I catch his stream and I'm watching it, I have no idea what I'm watching. And I'll have to be honest, I have no idea if he's any good. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't know what's happening on the screen. But I was playing, uh, I was playing Warzone this weekend uh, with, a, with a longtime friend. And he was telling me, he was just like, oh, yeah, I watch uh, Quentin stream sometime. He's really, really good. And I was like, oh, is he? And he was just like, yeah. He's like, whenever I try to play Apex and if I, I join their party, I just I feel sorry for them that they have to play with me because they're so much better than me. So uh, so shout mm-hmm. out to Quentin Parker, Bougie Q over on Twitch. Apparently, he's very good at Apex Legends. So you want to if you want to go watch some high level play. Go check him out at yeah. uh, Bougie Q. Uh, happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday to him. And we also play some Call of Duty occasionally. He'll he'll come down to our level uh, and 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 play Call of Duty. I think we've we've had a couple of Twitch streams go where we've been on there with him. So. Oh yeah, and I have to say, if you if you're clamoring for, oh Mike, what's your Twitch handle? Where do you play games? Where are you streaming your stuff? And I have to say, I don't have one, and you do not want to watch me play video games. I am I am no good at it, and I am I am so uh, I'm so I'm overly an- analytical and cautious. It's it's just not fun. I'll just like hide out in a shack on the map until the gas comes up to my back, and then I'll run up to the next shack, and I usually get shot because I'm out in the open. Oh yeah. So there's no entertainment value there. So don't worry about tracking my video games down on the internet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm, 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 I agree. I play a lot, but I'm, I'm more, more losses than wins, if you will, <laughs> at the end of the day. So that's that's cool. Uh, let's dive into what we've been watching this week, Mike. Um, this this top one is going to come as a surprise to nobody, but <laughs> you finally took the suggestion at the I, end of uh, WandaVision. It, it, didn't you? I didn't. <laughs> it, it got it got to my wife. Uh, she she uh, had a choice to put on a movie. I think I was working on something uh, on my computer in in bed, and she was. You're like I'm gonna put on a movie, and she went straight to Age of Ultron without me even knowing. And I was like, ah, there it is. So uh, at the end of every episode of Wandavision, it tells you watch Age of Ultron, and so we we mm-hmm. dove back into it. And you know, honestly, uh, you know, there's I, I mean, I'm not gonna say I learned anything new here uh, from this, but I think it was a nice refresher, and I think uh, this movie is going to find a little bit more life uh, recent in, in in the upcoming weeks, mm-hmm. if you will, and. Uh, you know we can we can see why because again we we've talked about the the introduction of Wanda and Vision was actually in this movie right and uh, and the mm-hmm. show their show WandaVision is going on right now so uh, it was fun to do that and, and kind of uh, revisit you know the original Pietro versus our uh, faux Pietro going on in WandaVision there so uh, it was it was a fun little visit I do enjoy always Andy Circus's claw like I said when I talked about mm-hmm. Black Panther the week before he's always entertaining uh, in, in that movie what little bit he is in there 
Yeah, uh, Age of Ultron is so funny in hindsight now, right? Because they, they introduced all these different themes, right? You know, Tony Stark grappling with the idea of trying to protect the world, you know, the invention of uh, Vision and, you know, all of these other aspects of the film. And really what it seems like the single most important thing from Age of Ultron was Wanda. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we'll talk about WandaVision at the end of the episode. But it seems like she is going to be the biggest kind of outbreak narrative uh, from Age of Ultron, and I would say she wasn't yeah. she wasn't really the one of the main storylines in that movie. So I, I do kind of find that interesting. Yeah, I think I think the other only thing you know I I, I forgot about is that's literally the um, movie where the Hulk ends up flying through a wormhole in space and ending up in Ragnarok, uh, which I was like, is this really the last point we saw the Hulk before Ragnarok? And it was. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's uh. It's just a little bitty thing at the end of the movie, right? That that you don't think about mm-hmm. uh, very often. And then the the tease there at the end, where they're like, "Okay, these are our new Avengers. We're gonna, you know, say Avengers assembled," and he doesn't. Uh, and I, the only thing I think I, I wanted more between this movie and and Civil War is more of these teams acting as the Avengers, like in small missions, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because we don't get like we see them in Lagos, and how how well did that go? Uh, not very yeah, good. Yeah, I love like the my favorite part of Age of Ultron is the opening for sure when they're invading that uh, the Strucker, I guess castle the Strucker, you know, compound. Yeah, what do you want to call it? That that's just that's just a great moment. And then I, I you know, I, I think I every once I feel like every other year I watch Age of Ultron and I come on the show and then complain about it. But yeah, that opening is always so solid. I love that mm-hmm. opening. Yeah, exactly. And um yeah, again, I think the the other scene where they do everyone in the same shot once around the uh, I guess the reactor uh yeah, core thing. Spire, uh, yeah, yeah whatever what it was. It. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. And then they kinda sideline Iron Man for the rest of the movie. I'm like, because he's down at the bottom of the the floating mm-hmm. island. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's some good good points in there that, that stand out, and you know, just just getting there was half the fun because that was the first movie we did for this show in our reviews, uh, I believe, uh, talking about it because you know we we we'd been so hyped wa- waiting for you know Hulkbuster to show up for the very first time and 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 the mm-hmm. Hulk fight, so uh, very very interesting. I'd love to 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 st- I want more behind the scenes of that movie because I feel it's a whole different. There's more to this than we know, but at the same time, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, know, I don't think the public is clamoring for more Joss. Whedon exactly. At that's the moment, that's why so. I'm like, I'm like, that's the reason. I'm like, ah, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> and then the other thing this week, um, because of Fortnite's new crossover with the movie Alien, uh, my wife was like, I've never seen the movie Alien. I'm like, well, guess what? We can watch. I believe it's on HBO Max. Um, and it was. All the aliens are on there currently. So we watched the very first Alien movie. Uh with uh, Sigourney Weaver um, mm-hmm. and uh, she she summed it up she, she looked up a little bit beforehand I mean she's not a stranger to alien she's like oh uh, everybody dies on the spaceship because they don't listen to the woman and I'm like <laughs> that's, a, that's about right uh, with that and I forgot how the hands in that movie look on the aliens they look like a, a like someone's gloves and like webbed hands from like the the what's it creature from the black lagoon hands kind of mm-hmm. thing on the aliens everything else about them is creepy as hell, HR Geiger is just a master of, of yeah. weird design, but like the hands took me out of the moment a couple times. 
with that so um yeah i don't know how, if you're a fan of the alien franchise or not Mike, oh but. yeah i love it I, I it took me a while to get to it um you know because that movie came out in like 1979 yeah so even even when i was old enough to probably watch a movie of that maturity it was like oh, i was like oh this is just like an old movie i don't you know i don't want to watch this film oh, yeah. and also i was like a scaredy baby too like i was under the impression that you know this was like a scary film too so when i finally got around to it i was just like okay i had the very wrong impression of it and it's great and i i love it and there must be maybe some sort of like maybe alien like maybe a slight media blitz going on right now if they're adding to Fortnite. just because the other week i remembered oh yeah i really like q figs you know kind of like the alternative rival that nobody ever thinks about to funko pops yeah and so every once in a while i go online to see what new q figs uh, they have and there's like a new alien one that's coming out uh, on at the end of March this year, and it's cool. It's like the alien, like when he comes down the chain uh, in in that first film. I think that's where he eats the like the mechanic guy that has the cat. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where that happens. Uh, so I was like, man, this Q figs really really cool. I don't own any Q figs yet because I'm waiting until I have a larger space where I can just buy a thousand Q figs because I think they're really cool. Um, so yeah, I guess alien is out there in the zeitgeist again. Yeah. I think, I think it's always kind of been there. Uh, they had a couple of video games the past like a decade or so that were like, yeah, doing those well. are really popular to stream actually. Um, was it alien isolation? I see, yeah. I, I see that show up on Twitch quite a lot. And then I know we don't talk about video games too often on this show, but one thing that was at the state of play, playstation showcase this week was the new five nights at freddy's game Mm -hmm. which i'm not super familiar with the whole chronology or timeline of the games but i think they're breaking format with this one and they seem to be making kind of like an alien isolation-esque game where it looks like you're you're free roaming but you're trying to hide from things trying to uh, get you so uh yeah popular game yeah And, and and um well, I mean, after the popularity of Willy's Wonderland uh, that we talked about, <laughs> uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? Um, obviously, they gotta gotta bring it back. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we watched Alien, and you know that movie's so slow. Uh, she's like, she's like, I have to pay attention. I'm like, you probably don't have to pay attention until probably the the second half of this movie because most of it's just like people on a mining ship waking up, and then the, the, again, the big reveal uh, isn't actually the alien, right? The big reveal is one of their crew members is an android. Uh, uh-huh. a synthetic and you're and she's like i saw him drinking milk why is milk coming out of his oh he, he, he's a robot kind of thing <laughs> yeah and that is a cool moment because it, since it's the first introduction to what would end up being a huge franchise is people just watching that movie for the first time they're like oh we know that we're in the future because we see a space mining ship yeah. and there's technology we're not familiar with but like we don't really know if this universe is inhabited with robots that look exactly like people and think like people so that is a fun reveal and, you know, H.R. Geiger, you know, is usually credited, you know, for making the crazy, very just iconic design of the alien. But I also really like his kind of take on, like, the spaceship, yeah. and, you know, and, like, just what the future looks like in space of just, like, what humans, like, uh, like the pedestrian sense of, like, what does this hallway look like? Which I feel like has been very inf- influential as well. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, it's one of those things where... There's a lot to this movie, but when you wa- like when you watch it, you don't feel you like it feels old, right? It feels of the the late seventies, you know, Star Wars mm-hmm. era. But like at the same time, when you watch it, like this set a lot of precedent for reveals and how you know um, alien space horror presents itself, and then also you know again androids. Um, there was uh, the um, 
what was it? Um, the two prequels. We we've talked about the prequels before. Um, uh, Alien Prometheus and Alien Covenant that you know uh-huh. Ridley Scott came back to. So I mean, um, I don't know if this this movie is hampered or helped by those, but uh, the Alien franchise. I expect one more movie before they probably reboot it at some point uh, in mm-hmm. time. But uh, anyway, that's what I got. Uh, what do you got? It looks like A's are on the list this week. Everything <laughs> well, we have also, starts with A's on this list. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. But also films from the 70s. I shifted my corn stream order here because uh, Alien, a uh, film from uh, the end of the 70s, 79, uh, my, my wife and I watched a film that I had seen before, but I wanted to rewatch because I noticed it was on HBO Max, is American Graffiti uh, that came out in 1973. Uh, I believe it's George yes. Lucas's directorial debut, Ooh, right? What about T- what, THX 1138? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. It's definitely one of his early films. Uh, but anyway, uh, the biggest takeaway... Okay. It's the second the, one. The biggest, the biggest takeaway from this film I have is that it makes me feel so old, and it just warps all of time to me. Because this movie was made in the 70s, right? And when you watch it, it's all about like high school kids graduating in the 1960s, right? There's all of these hot rods around town. It's all about cruising and going to the drive-in and getting milkshakes and listening to Wolfman on the radio, you know, and trying to get people to, like, buy you beer outside of the liquor store. You know, it's basically, like, a teen movie, but it's just set in this very quaint time. Like, they literally call people, like, marbleheads, and they go to the sock hop. So it's just, like, it's just so old and such an iconic time. But then when you look up when the film was made and everything, it's like, this movie was filmed in the 70s and it's only dated by 10 years like this is basically George Lucas making a movie about when he was a teenager in high school because if you do the math I looked up his age and everything yeah this is basically autobiographical to him so it's just so bizarre because it's like if we made a movie right now about the nostalgia of 2010 so it's just weird and it made me think of when we talked when I talked about the sound of music a couple episodes ago you know where that where the sound of music is a a movie from the 60s making a movie about the 1930s so that would be like us making a nostalgia movie about like the 1990s I don't know I feel like I'm in my 30s now so now time is all about perspective and I'm feeling very elderly and I'm I'm understanding less and less lingo on the internet Chris I'm basically I'm crumbling in front of you I'm turning to ash this if they made this movie this year which they would have done with this one it would have been, it would be about the 20 it'd be set in 2012 yeah it's just so funny because like you know if we are making a movie about 10 years in the past there's not a whole lot you actually have to do to your production right like nowadays you would just be like oh make sure they're holding the right smartphone because they're still definitely going to have smartphones but you got to be like oh but they're going to have like the older version of the yeah. iPhone right? Car- Car- you know, if, if you sh- if you show them on social media don't show them on like TikTok the TikTok's not here yet they're probably on like Facebook just starting to like dabble you know with some of the other things they might still be using Tumblr you yeah. know well exactly like clothes and cars and houses and the way we live has not really changed that much in 10 years. Like when you go back to look at the sixties versus the seventies versus the eighties, there's a very distinct style. Um, yeah. That, 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 it's, that takes that decade, but like two thousands <laughs> and 2010s, I, 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 I'm not as, I don't see much of a difference, but maybe yeah. it's cause we're so close to them. 
Yeah, and also this is a great segue into the, I mean, I'm just changing the order of everything. Uh, I just finished watching uh, The Americans, which is the uh, the FX series about the uh, uh, Russian spies in America in the 1980s. And they did a pretty good job dating that as well, because really the number one thing that you have to do here, at least in the United States, I don't know if the problem's easier or harder if you're in other parts of the world, but it's usually, it's all about clothes and cars. Like, that's it. Make sure the wardrobe fits the characters and make sure all of the cars in the background are accurate to the time period so since the americans is a present show or at least filmed in the present you know you have to go out and you have to find all of these old cars from like the 80s right and on top of that not just old 80s cars but you got to find nice looking 80s cars um and it would be even harder you know if you're going to go back and make a movie about the 1960s like if you wanted to remake american graffiti you got to find all of these old classic vintage cars uh and the structures usually don't change too much right you know if you want to find like an old diner that's really not too hard to find out here on the west coast and you know, diners have a very iconic look, so it's usually not too hard to track down a diner no matter what state that you're living in, uh, right? So it's just like you got to nail the clothes in the car. But, yeah, back back then when George Lucas was making American Graffiti, I just realized, like, oh, yeah, it's not going to be that hard for him to find, like, a hot rod or these old cars because they're only, like, 10 years old. I mean, like, you, I can look outside on my street right now and I can, like, probably point out, like, five cars that are 10 years yeah. old, like, in, in a couple seconds. So, I don't know. The whole my, whole... my whole landscape of time is all over the place. But that's my very... Um a very fluid uh, segue into we finished the Americans uh, uh, great six seasons of television that kind of all lead up to like you know in Breaking Bad I won't spoil Breaking Bad I know it's been out for a while but that kind of all leads up to this very action packed very tense moment at the end where there's all this gunfire and everything people are on the ground you know people are getting shot it gets really really crazy and then like cops show up and everything it's like very intense right and the most intense scene in the last episode of the Americans no spoilers it's just a conversation right it's a conversation you've been waiting to happen for six whole seasons and like that one moment was like very very satisfying uh, to watch so uh, shout out to the Americans it's on Amazon Prime right now but it's an FX show so I, w I would imagine whenever the whenever the prime contract ends it will move over to Hulu uh, Hulu yeah yeah so uh, uh, the Carrie Russell uh, and I can't remember the other guy's name who plays her husband in the show. Uh, both uh, amazing actors, and luckily that they were nominated for Emmys in their last season. Uh, uh, my wife did a deep dive on them once we uh, finished watching the show, and they're actually developing like a uh, a sci-fi show for FX right now. So I'm looking forward to watching that. And uh, the the male lead is going to star in it. I can't. I think his last name's Reyes or something, or Rays, or uh, oh. I can't remember. But they're they're both great. So a lot of great stuff. Uh, uh, from the Americans. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Carrie Russell pops up in like a Marvel movie at some point in time. Well, she's just such a such a big, strong lead, she, and she's kind of in that Disney fold now, right? Well, she was in Star Wars, um, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, she was Zuri Bliss. She Was she under the helmet? She was under the helmet the whole goddamn time, yeah. Oh, yeah, that doesn't count. Well, I know, but like they hyped her up. Like, like, yeah, yeah, Carrie Russell is this role. She's going to be in Star Wars, and like you thought she'd take it off, like really. like at Yeah. The end. But they didn't, but I'm like... Then why, like, you could have just had a voice actor do it. Like, really, that's... Yeah, that's true. You could have just, you could have got a much bigger name. Well, maybe that's why she took the role. Yeah. Like, maybe she was just a voice actor. Maybe there was just a stunt person under there. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so those are two uh, quote-unquote period pieces that we watched. And I'll cap it off here with a romantic comedy relatively new from Ali Wong. 
on Netflix called Always Be My Maybe. Uh, my wife watched this much earlier than I did, but I, I wanted to watch it because there's apparently a really big standout cameo from Keanu Reeves in the middle of the movie. And even if you're not a fan of rom-coms, which I think you could, you should shed that weird, uh, that weird disposition that you have towards rom-coms because there's a lot of really great ones out there. But even if you don't like them, the, the Keanu Reeves bit in this movie where he plays himself is so great. It's like so fun. He really kind of takes the piss out of himself, if you will. And also, if you're a fan of Superhero Slate, uh, Randall Park is in this movie. He's basically, he's the, the, the co-star, co-lead, I would say, in this film, the romantic, the romantic interest of Ali Wong. And, you know, we have seen him uh, most recently as of last Friday. Well, I don't think nope, he was in last was Friday's not. episode of WandaVision, but he is very much in WandaVision and... Uh, Ant-Man 2, was he in the first Ant-Man? No. I don't, no. I I think Ant-Man 2 was his first appearance in the MCU, right? Yeah, as far as I can tell, because he was the one watching um, Scott on House Arrest. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, he also, if you, if it's been a while since you've uh, seen uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman, uh, he also appears in that. He's the post-credit scene, and he's also uh, like a person on a news, uh, on a news TV broadcast kind of in the background. So, not a huge part in that, but in this movie, he plays uh, he plays like a musician, kind of like a funk rap person. So he uh, he has like fun songs throughout the film, and then at the end of the movie, he writes a song about punch- punching Keanu Reeves, and it's a really addicting song. It kind of went viral when the movie came out, but I hadn't seen the movie, so I never listened to the song. So I listened to it for the first time. But uh, not only is it a, is it a banger, I love the song. Uh, just search uh, I Punched Keanu Reeves and you'll find the song. But there's actually a lyric in it where he's talking about him himself being like so badass that he should be in the Avengers and the Justice League, which I, I found very poignant and very funny because he's literally in both of those franchises right now. So uh, mm-hmm. shout out to Randall Park. He, uh, he's on. I mean, he he was already on the up and up. I mean, before, you know, I I watch this movie. It's not like I'm the tastemaker here, but I just want to say like Randall Park, he, he's a he's a gem and you should go watch watch always be my baby on netflix i believe that came out the same summer he was in ant-man and the wasp so it was probably maybe something meta he was trying to reference there <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know but yeah you gotta go check it out it's very very fun and um it's also it'd be a great film if, if like if you got a significant other that's always trying to get you to like watch romantic stuff like oh this is like an easy win for both of you mm-hmm. mike's trying to get me to watch it i'm, I'm not i'm not sold <laughs> yeah you got it it's good it's fun it's fun you'll like it yeah but, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the corn stream this week, Chris. Yeah, all right. Well, let's jump into some of this news in. I got nothing else to go in here. I think the biggest news this week was the, earlier in this week, you and I had talked uh, amongst ourselves. Uh, the Spider-Man lead actors were tweeting out or Instagramming out some fake Spider-Man 3 titles. I didn't fall for it even once. Yeah, no, it was, it was they did it all at the same time, and you're like, you son of a bitches. Quit messing with us, right? And it happened to coincide on the same day Tom Holland was going to the t- the Late Show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, for actually separate reasons, come to find out later, Sony just decided to do their marketing the same time he was going to the Tonight <sighs> Show, uh, which is a horrible thing because then you're like, oh my god, they're going to show Spider Man on the on the on the Tonight Show or Late Show, whatever. Nope. It was. they did not. <laughs> uh, but they were kind enough the next day to actually reveal what the third MCU Spider-Man movie will be called. And it is in fact, Spider-Man no way home, um, mm. which can go a dozen different ways. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense from where we left last left off the character. He was, you know, outed by Mysterio yep. to the world, you know, 
it, it, this could be very uh, metaphorical or very literal. Like yeah. he can't go home. Like there's going to be people like mobbing his place. I mean, it's the it's the internet age. Like it's not going to be hard for somebody to just Google Peter Parker and just be like, oh, I know where he lives. This is where he last geotagged a post. You know. Yeah. So uh, it, that that's very much probably the likely story. The other one is if this is in fact a multiverse movie. What if the he goes into another universe or the other ones come to ours and those Spider-Men don't know how to get back home, if you will, to their home universe? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm starting to see some kind of uh, more pest- pessimistic uh, um, guesses that maybe yeah. Tom Holland might be stranded outside of the MCU maybe permanently you know this might be a way for you know sony to continue this like spider-man universe without worrying how to cross over with to the mcu on like this broader world and i don't think that's going to happen yeah mainly just because i feel like tom holland wants to keep playing with his friends right you know that's just like almost like taking money off the table like why wouldn't you have like you know tom holland possibly show up in the young avengers movie right you know this is something that you shouldn't take off the table because you're just taking money off the table like if you're just straight up capitalistic movie studios don't don't censure him from his universe that makes him the most money the 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 problem i have with that is you know he's really only been in one avengers movie uh he was a primary lead in uh infinity war he was mm-hmm. secondary in Endgame. Like, he showed up at the end battle, right? Yeah, and he, you know, technically Civil War isn't an Avengers movie, but it kind of is. Well, I'm, uh, I'm just going to go with the Avengers title. Like, I, I want to say Avengers yeah. title. Like, he needs to be an Avengers movie proper where they can utilize him and he's not just a sidekick latched on to a, to a <laughs> spaceship kind he, of thing. Yeah, he needs to like be there at the briefing table where he gets the gets the folder of what the yeah. mission is, and he needs to start and begin the mission kind of where, yeah. with everybody else. And, and and scenes where he can do stuff on his own. I don't know if he got a scene where he was by himself in, in Infinity War, really, uh, or in in Game Hell. He had the, the gauntlet for the one scene, but every he was with everybody. Can we see Spider Man fight? A, an Avengers level villain on his own or something of that nature. That's what I want to see, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't, it's fine to see him do this other stuff, but I want to see him actually have a chance to stand out as Tom Holland. Um, but you know, again, with this no way home, we don't know what it means, but there is three photos they released. Each lead put out a photo, um, Ned leads, uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya. And what's interesting is that the very first one, Mike, uh, in the floor behind them, it appears, if you look closely, is the same pattern as Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. However, this looks very uh, not kept up, does it, for a, for a wizard's he- place? Yeah, there's a chance that, uh, I mean, this is New York, you know, it would make sense for them to go to the closest sanctum, but I suppose that there's there's a chance it could be another sanctum. Uh, I, I think I clicked on these out of order, so I'm not 100% sure which one you're talking about. The one about, where they're looking a- upwards. Um uh, and the lights are on their eyes, if you will. Oh, okay. That one is actually one I was going to talk about. It looks like, is there snow in the background? Well, that's that's the thing that I noticed I think, the most. Like, obviously, it's all dilapidated, but it looks like there's, like, snow-covered beams on the floor I think it's stuff. dust. I think it's actually, like, a very much like a, a an unkempt sanctum. Is this another universe's sanctum, sanctorum, that he's happened to walk into? Um, or, or not because the, if you look under, under Tom Holland's hands, there's that, like that white flooring with the white stuff over it and the, um, Mm -hmm. the shadows, that is what I saw online people matching that exactly with the one in the lobby of the New York sanctum. Um, gotcha. So it's, I know Dr. Strange was gone for five years, but I'm pretty sure 
they didn't just let this go to hell within five years, right? Like he's been yeah. he's been back for several months, if not a year, by this point to clean it up. I mean, the, these kids, uh, it looks like they're up to no good. You know, possibly in a good way. I mean, if you were able to go into a sanctum, I mean, who knows what door you could open that would transport mm-hmm. you someplace else? So who knows? They could be like sanctum hopping. Yeah. They could be going all over the world. I don't really I'd, know. We don't really we don't really know who the big baddie is yeah. supposed to be on this. And then usually that kind of helps you drive the narrative a little bit so there's still so much we don't know yeah and the other the other one i have is one where they walk in, they'll walk into a basement it looks like and, and honestly to me it looks like tom holland is hiding out here possibly maybe this is his like oh like he yeah, can't go home he, he, this is his like home base if you will so. he, he got like an encrypted message to his friends and he, he is on if I remember right, he's he should be on good terms with Doctor Strange. The last time that we really kind of saw them interact yeah. was Infinity War when they were on Titan. Yeah. Um. So they they should be they should be bros. Yeah. And, and I mean, Peter Peter saved his life really with his uh with his alien hijink. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Keying that into the top of the show. So, so where is it? What's going on? We don't know. There's a lot of questions. This comes out. Uh, they said in Christmas in theaters, which, you know, mm-hmm. I think we have like the 18th or, or 19th written down in our notes. I'm pretty sure. So that's like Christmas season. So, yeah. um, but they're really pushing only in theaters on that, that note. So, yeah, I mean, as, as far as we can tell with a lot of the information that have come out from the disease experts, I gotta believe that we're back in theaters by Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I think you can't be entirely sure about the fall, you know, August, you know, October still, but I, I feel like by December, you know, I feel like the vaccine uh, distribution has got to be strong there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're hoping for. So um, it sounds like they're, they're, they're staking a claim for Christmas and they're giving us a title. So I expect maybe more stuff to kind of leak out or not leak out, but like dri- drizzle out throughout the year uh, for us here. So knock on wood on the flip side of that Disney, uh, came out of nowhere i think the same day and they're like hey here's some release dates for some of our stuff get ready for these uh loki um sadly push not push back confirmed to be a june 11th release on disney plus rather than the may release we were kind of hoping for um and i believe this to happen for for two reasons mike you we've talked about this may is still um, black widow month right they want to have a nice mm-hmm. four weeks for that to run in theaters if not six weeks by this point but also that goes to our next topic. Star Wars The Bad Batch is dropping on Disney Plus on May 4th, Star Wars Day. Uh, so do you think they're, they're like, they view these like audiences being the same audience? They don't want to have crossover in their releases? So Falcon and Winter Soldier leads into The Bad Batch, leads into Loki on Disney Plus kind of thing? Yeah, it could be possible. I mean, this is a great opportunity to plug our upcoming releases calendar on our website. I mean, this is basically a tool Chris and I made for ourselves, but we're giving people the ability to look at it just as we would. And Chris, you do a really good job. I commend you for keeping this updated uh, because these updates come in uh, very randomly. You never really know when they're going to happen. So it's just we have a simple text-based list of all of these release dates so it's great because i can just look at this at a glance and i can see you know when these things are going to drop you highlighted the most recent changes in red so i can see the bad batch and loki very very well so i these release calendars are, are more important than they've ever been with the with streaming releasing all these big stuff um I, I feel like we almost maybe might need to put in dates when these shows end mm-hmm. uh, because it's no longer one single date anymore. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like if you're Disney Plus, 
you're not quite, this isn't the first year of Disney plus anymore, right? You know, where they're really trying to be like, how do we get something, at least one new thing every week? Now they're adding more older stuff to the catalog. They got new stuff to air. So now they can really kind of start to flex their muscles a little bit and be like, oh yeah, we got lots of premium stuff back to back here. So, um, yeah, it, it seems that's what, what they're doing. Yeah. Giving us a nice little uh, buffer of things to watch and, before the next Marvel and, thing comes out. And I am still very adamant that the Bad Batch will tie into Mandalorian. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I, I believe, and this is my theory, that they're going to be taking, smuggling little baby Grogu out of the Jedi Temple um, during the Jedi Purge uh, and getting him to wherever we found him, you know, uh, Wherever he get, however he gets into the Empire's hands, or, or, or I guess into that little pod later. I think they are, mm. they are at, they are very much a, a team that plays that. Because did you end up watching those episodes of the last season, Mike? Um, uh, no, I just watched the Ahsoka stuff. Okay, so go back watch the first four. I believe it is the Bad Batch. Uh, it'll it'll pick you right up. You don't have to learn a whole lot about it. It's really really good stuff. They are very gotcha. like this would be a great video game squad. Like because each oh, yeah. each clone has a unique purpose. Right, one's the muscles, one's the explosion, one's the sniper, one's the leader kind of thing. So, mm. uh, very very cool. And this is also one year after the last Clone War season came out. So they're really Disney Plus has a great thing here. May the fourth be with you. Right. So they're gonna nail that down every year. I feel so. Don't expect. I would expect maybe one of the um other live action shows maybe maybe ahsoka maybe rangers of the new republic to drop on may 4th next year as well so oh man yeah that's that's a good point so there we go and lastly this is a personal note for me mike because i'm such a fan of monsters inc from pixar and disney and the finally we get word that the monsters at inc show will be dropping on disney plus july 2nd uh this this summer with uh, john goodman and um billy crystal reprising their voices for uh sully and uh, mike respectively yeah this makes me i need to go back i need to go back and rewatch monsters university because i've only seen it once and i didn't i wasn't a big fan of it mm-hmm. you know i was a huge fan of monsters inc that first film i really really loved it uh monster university didn't quite live up to what i liked about the first film so you know i don't know maybe i need, I need to give it a, another chance but monsters at work sounds like you know if i am that type of person uh we're gonna go back to the glory days of the first film well so this is I'm, I'm down. this is set immediately after the first film this is the laugh factory yep. uh show so um which i think was way cooler anyway because you know again monsters mm. university doesn't deal with doors and you know children and like the the whole like aspect of what how does the monsters world work right it was scared mm-hmm. the scare factory university is fine i agree with you it's not my favorite i don't like it as much the characters are there i think that's that's what i really like about it but like you know it doesn't it's it's just another you know neighbors or, or sorority movie kind of thing and you're like it's really it's a prequel that was unnecessary along the way mm-hmm. but, but i'm excited for this to see kind of where they do how they do with the last stuff because uh, i don't know if you know this they had this in California, but at the Disney in Florida, they actually have the Laugh Factory where you go sit in and they have like, um, it's actually a screen with the CGI's. And when people are in the back, there's actually actors. When they talk, the mouths move on the screen. So they can oh. actually make up jokes about people in the audience on the fly. It's all, oh, that's kind of cool. It's all a live show. It's kind of like, a, a, again, what is it? The Laugh Factory kind of stand up stuff? Yeah, it's like literally, it sounds like it's like a stand up comedy club yes. that they put down in the park. Yes, and it's literally just a screen of the monsters, characters, and it's really fun. So I, I, I think it's great. On the other side of that, uh, Pixar's next movie, Luca, uh, got a trailer. Because uh, Rai is not, Luca's the next one. And this uh, trailer, um, I did not know what Luca was about. I just know it, it's got a very unique art style. Uh, Pixar tends to nail their aesthetics and sounds and stuff like it. It's set in like Italy, I believe. 
Um, did not yeah. did not know it was about the actual main character being a sea monster. Uh, blew me out, <laughs> blew my mind, blew me out of the water, literally and figuratively, Mike, uh, <laughs> if you will. Uh, I think this looks well, fun. Yeah, it's funny because I, I hadn't uh, I hadn't watched this uh, trailer, so I just kind of have it on mute in the background now. I'm just kind of watching the events unfold in real time right now as we oh, no. record. And when you when you said uh, jump out of the water, like I literally saw the mermaids or sea monsters or whatever you want to call them yeah. jump out of the water. Uh, but one thing I do appreciate about this is like the art style seems to be a evolving a little bit there over at Pixar you know uh, it still has kind of like a bit of a Pixar flavor but the character design seems to be a little bit different which is good because I think this was one thing maybe Pixar got a little nailed on when the big triumphant Spider-Verse movie came out right they were just like oh yeah we don't have to have everything look like Pixar to be amazing and look beautiful and then I think the animators over at Pixar you know thought the same thing like oh Sony animation is making really cool stuff like this like yeah we should kind of like change it up a little well, bit so I do yeah. appreciate that nah, I, I noticed a little bit of difference like if I was to watch this trailer uh, without the Pixar logo like before and after it and it's literally on the Pixar YouTube page I might not know right away that this is Pixar so I'm glad that yeah. this kind of trend is now happening I think I think Pixar's newest thing with um, was, it, uh, was it Pete Doctor um, standing down or not not standing down he's not doing movies I think uh, Soul was his last movie is that mm-hmm. they're going to allow other artists to bring their visual style to the table right because I think Soul inside out they all look the same to me in in my mind yeah and, yeah their their character designs kind of ape that that similar look and it's not a bad look but no. you know when you've been seeing it for like a, a decade or two it's like yeah, yeah what else you got well and i saw this one and i'm like boy this reminds me of that pixar short la luna from 20 2011 2012 um mm-hmm. where the, yeah, they go up to the moon like and, and like they're sweeping the light things across the moon right you remember that one mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that's the guy who did that is directing this one so that's his art mm-hmm. style yet again carrying over from a pixar short to a pixar actual film uh and i i, I love it i love the the it, it feels like stop motion but it's not right like it's like almost there in, can, the, in the depth it, of it yeah it kind of has that um that clayness to the the render almost like I don't really know exactly how to describe it's, it, but it feels a little bit like um, uh, I'm trying to think of the studio name, but it feels a little bit like Wallace and Gromit, yeah. not all the way, but like a little bit. Yeah, it, it's not it's it's more frames and stop motion <laughs> for sure, but it's got that texture and the depth yeah. that makes it feel like oh, this is like this could be, actually be a physical 3D set. And they, they, they set this up as they kind of went around it. So mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate this. So Luca's d- blowing me away. But while on the other side, since we're talking about stop motion animation, Hulu dropped on us out of nowhere the MODOK trailer, uh, full mm-hmm. trailer, and the release date of May 21st, uh, 2021. So um, all 10 episodes at once as well, Mike. We don't have to do weekly stuff like we're doing with, with Disney. Plus, not that there's anything wrong with the weekly schedule, but... You know, uh, Modoc ten half hour comedies episodes. I'm looking forward to this. It looks fun. It looked. It looks great. There's a lot of funny jokes in here. Uh, I'm digging it. Uh, we love. We love Patton Oswalt at the show in our house. Uh, you and me both. So yeah. uh, anytime we get more Patton, it's not a bad yeah. thing. And this is like again a side of of Marvel that they're not going to give us in the MCU, right? Like this is you know zany off the wall. It reminds yeah. me very much of like robot, like a robot chicken sketch gone yeah. gone for a whole also, season. Also. 
this is like what? This is Jeff Loeb's last project, right? Unless no, isn't there? There's one more. Is Hitmonkey? I, I, is that the last one? I want to say Hitmonkey is still there. Yeah, I think that's the 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 animated one, two D animated one. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if he's yeah. even on this one anymore. That's that's the other thing. Um, yeah. I gotta look it up. I don't even see uh, Jeff Loeb on the on the. Yeah, he's on the very bottom of the executive list. Um, but you know, um, I I, I think this was, I, the only thing he didn't give us is to look into his like home life, right? Like he's married, he has kids. One that's looked like a, a human. Uh, yeah, boy. we got a little bit of we got a little bit of that with some of the um, early photos and also the kind of the teaser yeah. trailer they gave us a little bit back. But yeah, yeah. E- everything about this looks really fun. Yeah, very much it. a lot of a lot of humor, a lot of and also, uh, you know, they're not afraid to dismember an aim person because he's drinking coffee yeah. along the way. So check out that trailer um, in, the, in the show notes as well. Um, dropping that on us. More news. This is a, a a weird week of news, right? We didn't have a lot of the, a heads up on this, but Paramount Plus is launching, I believe, this week, right, May, March fourth, um, and they dropped on a big. Uh, must have been like a one hour, two hour Paramount Plus kind of presentation over there. Um, and then, in case you didn't know, because I didn't know this, uh, it will be home to CBS, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, and paramount network shows plus movies from paramount pictures studios now as mike has has discovered as well uh this does not mean all paramount movies will go here because paramount makes shows and movies for other companies right like they're like a production company yeah they're kind of sticking to a little bit of the traditional model of what studios do out here in hollywood which is they make movies and shows for anybody that wants them right because not everybody has the expertise and the knowledge and the know-how to make a tv show or a movie so for the long for the longest time if you're a streamer like netflix and we're like oh we want to add original content we pay paramount to make it and then they give it to us so it seems like they're going to stick with that model but also make their own streaming service as well so yeah, th- this sounds like it's going to be all good and well for their wallet, but at the same time, it's just like, but how exclusive, you know, mm-hmm. does that make and- your streaming service? Like one thing that you mentioned, I know that this isn't this isn't a literal example, but it's kind of what it looks like. Of the Chappelle Show is on HBO Max, and it's going to be on Paramount Plus. So it's just like, well, I already have HBO Max, yeah. you know. So why, if I really like the Chappelle Show, I don't need Paramount Plus. So who knows how that long-term contract will, you know, go in the future? But you know, there you go. There's an example, right? And who knows what their contracts are with? Like, you know, did um, you know? I think it's a lot of the the Comedy Central stuff is like split with HBO right now. Um, you know, who's going to fight for ownership? When does their contract expire? Will it be on both? Will it be on neither? Because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't Chappelle show on Netflix for a while too? I believe before that, um, uh, yeah, they're all but, passed uh, around. But like, yeah, but it, they, they took it down from Netflix because Chappelle complained that he didn't get any money from it. But who, who knows what that contract negotiation for streaming revenue was? Who even knows? But yeah. Netflix took it down. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't really know exactly yeah. what's going well, on with that show. But some upcoming Paramount movies, including the new Mission Impossible 7 and 8, presumably, and A Quiet Place Part 2, which we're excited for, uh, will come to Paramount Plus 45 days after slated theatrical release. So it looks like they're making a deal with theaters we're going to get get it within 45 days. A month and a half is coming to our digital release. Um, I believe, you know, one thing about this pandemic is realize, like, theaters and theatrical releases where all the control was, right? We're seeing this with Marvel. They're not putting Black Widow out on the streaming service. There are contracts in place. They want to make their money from the theaters. Streaming services don't have that residual, 
I guess, draw that a theater does, right? Like out the gate. So it looks like they're taking this approach of making contracts with some of their own movies to get it to their streaming service very quickly. Yeah, it, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because the life of a movie, you know, before the pandemic was it hit theaters, right? And then after theaters, there was there was kind of like a brief moment where you couldn't really watch the movie. You know, you could find it maybe in an older theater or, that had later older run you, stuff, right? Do you remember? Well, I think they went to like, what was it? Direct TV pay per view, I think is where they kind of lived for like a month. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess we could say it would go to, a, it would stay in theaters and then it would go like maybe premium cable situation. Yeah. Description, uh, to watch it and then you would have the digital release and then you would have the physical home release and then eventually you'd be able to digitally rent it for like a couple of bucks right you yeah. wouldn't have to shell out all of it and then it would kind of end up hitting a streamer so you had like this whole lifeline of the movie that I would say took place about over a year mm-hmm. right I would say a year after the movie came out you would, you would finally be able to possibly stream it somewhere now everything's like condensing to now it's like phase one and phase two Phase one, it hits the movie theaters, and then as soon as it's out of the theaters, it seems like you go to your respective mom's house, right? You know, like Mission Impossible 7 is a Paramount movie, so now it's going to be on Paramount Plus after 45 days. I personally would like this to be the norm everywhere going forward. I don't really want this to be a special thing, right? You know, if I didn't catch it in theaters, I just wait a couple weeks and I can just catch it on a streaming service. I don't have to worry about buying it physically or digitally. But, you know, everybody has their own preferences. I saw something the other uh, just yesterday where people noticed that Kevin Smith's uh, movie Dogma, which isn't this like necessarily i know it's like an indie kind of an indie movie but it's not like this niche like movie from 1947 it's like a a, a somewhat well-known film is technically not available anywhere like it's out of print physically Uh, it's not streaming anywhere Uh, apparently you can't even rent it like you can't even get access legally to the digital file for money so that's somewhat of a modern movie that is just out of circulation at the moment so uh, I, I guess that leans some credence to owning things physically. Um, oh. but, I, but, you know, I guess that's just like the counter argument. But, you know, as far as I can tell, I love streaming services. I love how flexible they are. I love how you can just subscribe to them for a couple of months and then delete them, get rid of them. There's no long-term contracts. You can go wherever you want. Like even a big streaming service like Netflix, Chris realizes, oh, I'm not really watching anything on it. I'm going to dump it and then I'll pick it back up or I'll, I'll like, you you know, sometimes some of those stuff a la carte hits DVD and you can just buy that stuff there. Yeah. So Paramount Plus is it's kind of like this big deal in a sense of it's might be the last streaming service, right? This is the last studio that is releasing something streaming. I can't think of anything I, off the top of my head. Legendary that, is the only one I would think of would make one. But I don't think they have a catalog even close to compete with anything. Right. No, I, I'm like, not saying I'm not saying they, they would do it. And, and be good at it but i think they're the only ones left who might consider it because they do make a lot yeah. of they do make some movies but like they're in tandem with other companies yeah the only thing that i could possibly think of is just like i guess google right you know if apple did it you know google's the other big you know you know i guess amazon's another good competitor so if google wanted to get into the content war i could easily see them like just straight up you know like you mentioned legendary they could just buy legendary oh, you know they could get a little bit of, little bit of a boost 
Oh yeah, Sony's the they last. Buy some, I, Sony's the well, last one. I guess I guess they kind of have crackle, if you will. But yeah, you have like these two little studios uh, hanging out. So man, it's it's crazy. This is kind of like the really the last big scheduled one, right? Uh-huh. Because even like I want to say up to a year ago, we kind of knew Paramount Plus was gonna be a thing. Uh, we knew that they had all this content. It was going to happen. So now it just seems like the landscape is set. Anything else that shows up will be a surprise, and we'll talk about when it happens. But yeah. it seems like the streaming, the streaming uh, battlefield has now been plotted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not even going to go that far. I think CBS All Access was their 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 dive into it. And do you know how long CBS All Access has been around? It's it's been 2014, my friend, um, is when it became uh, started, and they didn't really. I don't. uh, They took forever to get anything worth watching. Was it like Star Trek was like their big revitalization? They were like, Mm -hmm. we're doing Star Trek Discovery. Get your Star Trek on here because, I mean, I didn't even think CBS All Access was a thing until recently. But like, I did my homework because, um, and we'll talk about here a little bit. Like, I was like, oh shit, they've been around forever. Um, Paramount just never really backed them, I guess, uh, or saw any reason to do it um some of the other th- the movies i want to say that are coming to, to paramount plus i mentioned include top gun maverick i said tom gun maverick that's tom cruise <laughs> top gun maverick snake eyes the the gi joe um movie clifford the big red dog they'll arrive in 2022 because they have to go theater and epics apparently maybe was a home to some of these contracts beforehand um oh yeah that's right so there's that they also mentioned uh again i know some people are excited frazier revival um mm-hmm. continuation and then a Looks like a new animated Rugrats to hit the the, the nostalgia factor for people. Yeah, that's. From the did you see that three? Did you see that teaser footage? That they I didn't put see up the footage. Rugrats? I just saw the the, the actual it looks, like it looks, image. It looks kind of weird. I mean, this isn't. I mean, this isn't for me. I know I watched the Rugrats growing up when I was a kid, but this isn't necessarily going to drive my subscription. It seems like this is going to be content for younger kids. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really their opinion, this, not mine. Uh, but Chucky doesn't sound the same anymore. I, you know, I understand that voice actors are going to have to change after all of these years. So I don't even know who the original voice actor is, why they couldn't do it. I don't even know if they're still alive because I don't even know who they are. But Chucky sounded different. Well, and I was just like, oh, no, no, I can't watch this. Yeah, I, I think I, again, I think we're not the audience for this. But it, this is I only say this because this is exactly what SpongeBob just did. Right. Like their new Sponge on the Run movie that drops this week when this launches. Mm-hmm. It takes the it's it's still a 2d show the show didn't change animation but they made a movie in this weird 3d animation kind of thing right like it looks like enhanced television animation and is it necessary why don't you just do animated again like the, the what was it the squiggle lines the squiggle animations from back then what was it doug and rugrats really benefited from uh, uh, you can still do that and, and be fine but if they want to go cg that's what kids want this is a kid show not for us yeah like it, you know if you if we use the analogy of like a streaming warfare if you will you know some some people use bullets missiles chemical weapons you know there's different ways that you can wage war and it seems like one of the ways you can wage a streaming war is like kids content right you know that's you know if you can get the kids in you know if you put toys in the happy meal that's how you sell you know the yeah. quarter pounder to the to dad so this is like this is one of those i mean camp coral is supposed to be dropping day and date with the service as well um I, I wasn't a big fan of the trailer of Camp Coral. I, I don't know. I just don't dig the vibe of it. But, like, we're adults. Uh, I shouldn't have an opinion that really carries weight when it comes to this stuff, right? Because, you know, it's about the kids. So yeah. we'll see how we'll see how it goes. But now let's talk about the uh, the, the the adult stuff that's well, going to be on I, it. I, I do want to say here, right now, if you want to get a year of Paramount um, Plus uh, at a cheap rate – 
CBS All Access has a year promo with Paramount Plus if you go by their year. So uh, go go dive go dive into that and, and get that. Well, the thing is about Paramount Plus is going to do is that, you know, we actually are going to get the Halo show, Mike. We talked about this at the top. We're going to talk about Halo. Here it is. It's moving from Showtime to Paramount Plus. Uh, yes, with prompted a Google on my end of like, wait a minute, do they own Showtime? And they do. They own Showtime. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. If you have like this big heavy hitter franchise that notoriously has yet to really make its big debut live action. I know they've had like little things here and there that have actually been pretty good. I've watched uh, at least one or two episodes of some of that live action stuff, but this is the big Spartan master chief show. It's like, yeah, you don't waste it on showtime and put it like next to billions or like Homeland. If that's still on, I know you're going to move that to your big streamer. Right. Exactly. And and this, uh, I would much rather pay for Paramount plus than showtime if I was going to be straight honest with you. So um, mm-hmm. that's that's cool with me. Uh, really, they, they apparently showed some footage, but they don't have it publicly, sadly. So um, we don't get to see anything. However, you know, this is, again, being produced by Steven Spielberg. There's a lot of work going behind it. There's a lot of pressure to get this right uh, because also the game Halo Infinite will be launching this fall as well on the Series X. So uh, or I guess Xbox as a whole, not just Series X. I will be playing it on my Series X. So um, Halo has a lot to look forward to, it sounds like, in the next 12 months, uh, hopefully, which is good stuff. Hopefully it's all great stuff. I want I want to see more of this stuff kind of happen, That, but also not take, what, five years to make this one show, it feels like. Yeah, I'm curious if Halo can be revitalized, because I'm about to have an opinion here that you have on our topic in two se- in two segments here of... Does anybody care about Halo anymore? Now, I'm not trying to say Halo was never good. It was never entertaining. It's not worth what it was out there in the world, but nobody's talking about Halo anymore. I'm not saying it can't come back and make a resurgence, but I mean, like, it, all of the first-person shooters out there in the world, it's all about, like, Fortnite. It's all about all of these other franchises. And, like, Halo has just been kind of, like, waiting to make its comeback. I'm excited I'm excited to see it happen because, God, the last time we saw that, uh, that gameplay footage of it, it looked bad. Mm-hmm. It was not good. I don't know. I don't know if they didn't get their shaders right or what computer they were using to render that footage, but it looked bad. It did not look next-gen at all. Like, and I think the only really new thing I saw was a a grappling hook. I think it just kind of looked like par for the course halo. Uh, So I'm looking forward to the next resurgence of halo, but um, I don't even think there's really even like uh, um, an esports footprint for halo right now. I don't think, I know people have played it in the past, but I don't think any like big, uh, any big teams are playing it anymore at all. So it's just like Halo's just almost like gone, like extinct. So it, let's see what happens when it come back. It's going to have like a premium live action Paramount Plus show. You know, uh, it would be hilarious if they, um, if they got Pedro Pascal to be Master Chief because he's all like, let's make him the guy behind every helmet. You know, they'll get like a, they'll get some sort of huge name that, to, to play Master Chief. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's it'll, Pablo Schreiber. I mean, they already had the actor. Didn't we? Oh yeah, we did talk about yeah, that. They, they, he's been, I mean, like I said, they've been produced. They've been in production for a while on this. Like, it's not like it's new. The um, voice actress for Cortana in the games is actually the voice actress in the show as well, um, and and some other stuff. Uh, so they, they've been working on it. It's good. I I think that the Halo again. I, I I've played Halo forever. They are doing great things because they moved Halo to PC finally, and. As again, you're not a PC gamer, right? Um, or or a Halo follower. Mm-mm. I think that's where it's gaining a lot of steam, and you're just not going to see that 
in in your circles but they also don't have a battle royale mode so they're like what game right now doesn't have one of those right like apex legends battle royale call of duty fortnite all these stuff so i'm excited to see kind of what new things they bring to the table um but also that you know i think the next halo is also for pc which is going to be interesting to see those um i guess that fan base expand because it's always been xbox 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 only yeah, I'm sure some people out there are probably have more knowledge about what the multiplayer is going to be like for the for Halo for the next Halo. But yeah, it seems like there's got to be some sort of battle royale, right? Like how do you enter this kind of first-person shooter landscape without one of those really? And it seemed it would seem silly not to try to touch it because they would just be kind of leaving money on the mm-hmm. table of like selling skins and cosmetics because that's one thing I do very vividly remember about multiplayer Halo was all of the cosmetics, all of the different yeah. armor sets and all of the different colors and like stickers and emblems that you could put on your character. But, I mean, you can charge 12-year-olds out the butt to customize their characters like they do on but, Fortnite. But the beauty of Halo is they never made you pay for anything other than that. And oh, that well, that's going well, to change. That's, that well, will absolutely change. They, they didn't with Halo 5, thankfully. Um, but they, they have a thing called the Master Chief Collection, which is Halo 1 through 4 remastered. Um, mm-hmm. And they've been adding more stuff. They've actually implemented a lot of the original halo i don't i don't know if you know this halo had a pc version uh, of their games that had like custom mm-hmm. like maps built in it into the console stuff uh i like playing i you know my, i get together with my friends maybe once a year once every six months or so we all connect our xboxes lay party style and play some halo still i think it's still there but I, i'd like to see what the new stuff is they've been putting out some other stuff on the game this week some images some updates people are, are are really excited for that so i just want to see gameplay and i want a release date i want release dates for these i'm, I'm tired of the windows uh let's 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 nail some stuff down because like we need we need to start making schedules for this stuff <laughs> at the risk of sounding p- political make halo great again yeah. I, <laughs> let's see if we can make that yeah happen. i i don't i mean i think the the problem is again again uh, knowing that the, you know, the zeitgeist of what games are right now halo's done and because halo 5 is what four five years old maybe um, mm-hmm. and, and to stay relevant, like was it, you know, Fortnite has six weeks or six, three month chapters or 10 week chapters. How often does call of duty update itself? Like every, what, um, is it 10 weeks on it or eight weeks? Millennia. It feels like, well, but, but each season is a lot, eight weeks on it kind of yeah, thing. Something like yeah. that. So, uh, maybe when they come on, it'll be something more seasonal, um, where they can constantly add content going forward because Halo five, I don't think they built that with that in mind. Cause that wasn't the, the model then, but Knock on wood, we we get something good out of the show and 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 the the game this year. And just to interject, this this has nothing to do with the Paramount stuff, but uh, District Ten, the sequel to District Nine, is apparently in the works from Neil Blomkamp. Now you might be like, Chris, why is this here? Neil Blomkamp did some of those Halo Three short videos that you said you mm-hmm. watched. He he directed those before he did a uh, before at, in the middle also- of doing District Nine. For the longest time, he was also attached to the Halo movie yeah. that was supposed to be happening, and you can you can definitely see a lot of the visual inspiration that he could have brought to that film that he brought to um, uh, Elysium. Yeah, There's Elysium. lots of like machinery and guns and combat that you see in Elysium. Like, oh, this would have looked amazing in a Halo film. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's a great place to drop Neil Blomkamp right after the Halo. Yeah, so segment. District 10, he's working on it with the, uh, Charlto Copley and someone else writing the script. So I don't know where they could go with this, but hell, it's been what, over over 10 years. When did District 9 drop, man? I got oh, uh, to look this up because it feels like it's been forever. 2009. Well, 
Yeah, we have officially passed, I believe, the time frame at the end of the movie when the alien said he would come back, right? He's like, oh, I, I got to leave. I got to go talk to my buds back at home, but don't worry. I'll come back. And I think he said, like, I'll fix you, you know? I'll make I'll make you not a gross bug anymore. Uh, I think that was the ending of the movie. It's been a while. But, you know, whatever time frame he, that alien said has passed. So the most logical time for the District 10 to drop has passed. But, you know, it's all movie time. You can funge that. You know, you can easily say like, oh, sorry, I had to like take a detour around a black hole. Sorry, it took me a couple more years, you know, type of deal. Yeah. If that's where the next movie goes. Yeah. And and it's it's that movie was crazy because it was started as a documentary and turned into an action film by the end of it. Like the evolution Ooh. throughout was was really cool. I'd love to I'd love to to see where they kind of go with that. So so we'll 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 knock on wood when when that comes out. Uh, the other thing that came out of Paramount Plus is, you know, uh, they are focusing very much on Avatar again, it sounds like. Uh, they are going to be funding their... This is, my, this is my segment of the show, Chris. I'm so excited. No, it's fine. So the Avatar Last do, Airbender, do Legend of Korra, uh, that kind of franchises will be getting some love here. And it sounds like, um, you know, this new studio will be creating new content for these worlds. Uh, and it makes me question, you know, uh, is there still a deal with Netflix or are they taking it back? But also, um, a Avatar: The Last Airbender movie that was pitched uh, at 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 the network, I believe, before the show ended, is now going to be coming to a theatrical release. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a lot to unpack here, just because kind of the last kind of update that we had with Avatar in general was Avatar: The Last Airbender, the live action series over at Netflix. That was announced, I want to say, maybe two or three years ago and the original creators of Avatar The Last Airbender were going to be leads of the show. They were going to be the showrunners which made all the fans very very happy because we all saw what M. Night Shyamalan did uh, to the live action movie so everyone was like great but then this drama unfolded I want to say it happened at some point in time last year where there were some sort of creative differences uh, between I'm guessing maybe the executive team and the original creators where uh, there was a Splinter, and they said, no, 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 we're not going to show run the live action show for Netflix anymore. Everybody got really, really worried. Uh, they tried to placate the fans a little bit where they said, I think the original creators were going to be still involved in some aspect, but they just weren't going to be show running it. And I, I believe that's the last we heard. Then all of a sudden we get this news. Uh, just the other day where Avatar Studios is being created, the original creators are coming back, they're helming the entire studio, and they're going to be making um, uh, an animated movie, it sounds like. Uh, they didn't really say anything about the live-action mm -hmm. series, but I assume it's going forward. So all I have to say is I like the idea is that now everything's going to be under the house of Avatar Studios, which I suppose after a pandemic might be actually a physical location, you know, like an office environment you could go to. Everything Avatar is happening there and then they'll oversee everything you know hire people that they trust to run the live action show and whatnot but you bring up a good point what's at paramount plus and what's at netflix and does it matter because if paramount is going with this kind of like hybrid model of still selling content to other streamers to make money you know maybe you do put some stuff over on netflix and maybe you do put some stuff over on paramount plus because as we saw when avatar the last airbender 
moved from streaming on Amazon Prime to streaming on Nickelodeon, it became a huge thing again. Like Avatar hit the zeitgeist. Everybody was talking about it again. The memes were out there. The fan art. Everyone was sharing. Everybody was having a great time. And that is proof in the pudding that Netflix is the tastemaker. They bring stuff back into the fold. They make your show trend again. Even a cartoon that's four by three aspect ratio that you would think might not excite people like they did back in the day. So you do wonder, can Avatar have this same prolific effect when stuff is dropping on Paramount Plus? I don't know, but I think this is a good strategy because uh, the lore in Avatar, I think, is so good. The storytelling from its core is just I don't I, I don't want to be hyperbolic and say perfect, but like you have so much to mine there. And it goes to show you how strong it was when you could make a, a show like Korra that is almost 100% removed from the main character Aang from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender because he's dead. He's not in that show at all. Um, so it just really makes me wonder, like, could this be like the next big franchise, right? You know, we saw Star Wars spin off into this whole world where you're making all these splinter shows. I think you could really do that with the Avatar lore in the show. So uh, this is the long-winded way of saying uh, I'm very excited for this news. I really want to see what they do. I like that they have announced animated stuff. They're, you know, they're going to kick keep with that core of animated and maybe maybe the success of star wars helped paramount make this decision right you know like we just talked about like the bad batch they have successfully made canon animated things and canon live action things work well together so maybe they'll kind of uh, approach a model like that but uh you did bring up a, a good point to me chris of just like does anybody care about avatar anymore mm-hmm. and i i would say the the goal here is to push this out to an even further broader audience because I think there is a, a very strong core uh, fan group of Avatar. But, uh, you know, my, my, my parents don't know anything about Avatar. You know, they're, they're retirees. You know, is there ever going to be a franchise from Avatar that maybe they'll go to the theaters to see, right? Mm-hmm. You know, well, um, so we'll, see, we'll see what happens. What I've seen with Avatar is it has life. They've done comic books, right? Um, mm-hmm. Telling the stories in between the end of The Last Airbender to The Legend of Korra, because those characters, you know, it didn't just jump from one to the other. There's like, what, 60, 70 years, maybe more in between them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because of, uh, you know, again, the avatars, one per generation, and once they die, they have the new ones in it, so that's that's why. But, I mean, I think think there's an opportunity here, Uh, again... There, like you said, I I'm not absolutely in love with the show like you are. I'm I'm I've I haven't watched any in probably what six to eight months, uh, and I'm only in the middle of the second season. I don't have that draw to continue on. Uh, that 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 people have said would be there, but you know there is a huge backstory of this world, right? Like you could go back into the previous avatars and tell one-off stories. You don't have to make a whole TV oh, yeah. show about it, but the 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 lore of like the, the nations and the the map and the geography of this world that is obviously not kind of based on Earth, right? Can go back farther. Uh, it could even go forward if they needed to, um, past Korra, because you know that I know the ending of that is very different than than the other one, uh, the Last Airbender. So uh, I think I think there's a lot of opportunity to expand and go in different places. Honestly, just give me a whole show about the Cabbage Man, and I'll be I'll be okay. So it'll be the it'll they'll use the Disney Plus model and they'll do the Cabbage Man shorts. Yeah. You know, like every couple of months you'll get like a, a five minute short on Cabbage mm-hmm. Man. I want I want one every episode. I want it to be commercials like WandaVision has in between <laughs> between all the other episodes. Yeah. So, Avatar, another big 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 product uh, announcement from Paramount Plus. 
We'll shift gears into DC land here. Um, they uh, some news came out that the Blue Beetle movie uh, is now a priority for DC, and they have um, uh, on Hell Manuel Soto, who did the movie Charm City Kings. I don't know what this means uh, to direct this movie uh, with Gareth uh, Donna Alcocer, who did Miss Bala, to write the screenplay. Jamie Ray's will be the main character in the film. We don't know much else about this, Mike. Um, are you familiar with Blue Beetle as a whole? Oh, yeah. I mean, Blue Beetle was uh, a character in uh, Young Justice. I don't know if he was in the first season, but I think he does pop up in uh, later seasons of the show. But he's kind of like the uh, he's like the teenage Iron Man, I guess, if you had to kind of uh, boil him down a little bit. But if I remember right, the armor is alien in origin. So uh, there's a different type of story you could tell there from like, you know, the billionaire playboy th- philanthropist that makes a, a suit of armor. So, um, yeah, yeah. Armor stuff, armor stuff just looks cool on screen. So uh, I think that'll at least that effect right there will play really, really well with an audience. Yeah. So to Reyes was the one. And like you said, in Young Justice, he's known as the younger version. Right. Like um, he mm-hmm. to me, he reminds me more of a Nova character, like the young Nova versus the older Nova. Because uh, there's multiple Blue Beetles. Because he's normally, I, from my experience, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are usually together up to some hijinks. Um, but I think that's the other character, what, Dan Garrett, maybe. But he has, like, a scarab from space that gives that attaches him and gives him his armor. But, it, like, it can form to whatever he needs in the moment, right? Different weapons or armor systems. In the yeah, and I, and I guess it and I guess it depends on what story you might want to tell. But I believe there is some sort of consciousness within the armor itself uh, like an ai that, kind of know, thing yeah that might kind of possibly fight against what uh uh the uh, human inside actually might want to do so uh either, either way it sounds cool uh it'll it'll be interesting right because i mean it's like blue beetle is it like is he literally gonna look like a beetle on screen mm-hmm. uh, you know it's the thing i always love about superhero stuff when it when it crosses the threshold into live action right you know how do you make it somewhat believable on screen in a real grounded world so like i wonder if they'll like downplay like the the beetle aspects of it uh but yeah. who knows uh, if if it's being fast-tracked um i wonder where he'll show up next right like what's the sequel you know is he going to show up in like a shazam movie is you know will, will he show up in aquaman 2 mm. I, I don't know but um We'll see what happens. Yeah, my experience with him is um, from the Injustice games. Uh, he's he's actually a playable character, uh, and he mm-hmm. fights a lot like Iron Man. He looks a lot like Iron Man. The only thing about the beetle that gives him is like he has like these things that stick out of his back. It looks like, but mm-hmm. honestly, the technology to make Iron Man suit in Infinity War and Endgame be very modular and morph is essentially what's going to make this character kind of work on screen. I think right, like it can morph and do things on the fly for him. I think also what was it um, Bloodshot. Kind of, kind of had that ability with the nanites stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but, but Blue Beetle was from that. That's right. That's right. I know him the most for was the Injustice game. But you mentioned where would he show up? It could it be a standoff because this is one of the standalone movies that DC's like we don't need a connected universe anymore. That's fine. Or will it tie into the next Superman movie, Mike? I'm just, I'm only saying this hey. because Superman is what a character from space. Uh, and and the Beatles from space. So if they want to go into space, because Wonder Woman isn't really doing anything in space, um, Aquaman doesn't do space stuff, Batman doesn't either. So that's about all we got left. Um, mm-hmm. But the reports are this week. I think it's confirmed. DC's rebooting the Superman movies with J.J. Abrams producing, and um, I'm going to butcher his name, Ta Nahisi Coates as the writer. Uh, he is known for again, I think, writing political stuff and books, but he wrote. Black Panther and Captain America for Marvel for years. 
Um, he's mm-hmm. wrapping up his Black Panther run right now over at Marvel. So, yeah, I believe he's also uh, traditionally his background is a journalist too, yeah. which is kind of interesting because Clark Kent is a journalist, and I don't think that aspect of the character has ever been a focus in pretty much anything Superman's ever done. Maybe I'm sure that there's some comic book storylines where he actually does some journalism, you know, and not just look like a hunk in a suit and a tie, you know. Uh, so maybe he'll bring a little bit of that to the role, but I mean, like surprise, surprise, the 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 master guru of reboots, J.J. Abrams, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like the the writing was on the wall. I think South Park has already made the joke about J.J. Abrams uh, rebooting everything. Yeah. So it, like, I, I when you told me this news this week, the first thing I said was, don't let him do the sequels, right? You know, J.J. Abrams has a good track record on the first movie, the first Star Trek, that Star Wars Episode Seven. Leave him there, like, so he'll do the first superman movie and have him bring on someone totally different don't let him attach yeah. to it so uh i guess be on the lookout for lots of mysteries and uh, loose ends at the end of the film that he has no idea where they're gonna go and hopefully the next yeah. director will be able to attach them to something right well yeah exactly and and here's here's the thing number one there are no reports that henry cavill is returning right this is it mm. but the biggest thing is the hollywood reporter has stated that they're looking to cast a black Superman story that they've been working over in DC for years and possibly um, uh, Michael B. Jordan in that role. I think he's expressed interest in the past few years, but I think Mm -hmm. this whole, you know, black Superman story is what they want to focus on and not deal. They could still be like, Oh, Henry Cavill can still come back if he wanted to. This is our new Superman story. Um, There is one in the comic books. I don't know his background very much uh, to be completely honest. I suppose, yeah, I suppose this is the advantage of having like different universes and different worlds, right? You know, I don't, I don't know when this movie is actually going to get up off the ground uh, in theaters, uh, ready to watch. But you know, maybe in uh, the second, the sequel to the Flash movie, maybe he'll jump multiverses again, and maybe he'll go hang out with uh, Michael B. Jordan as a uh, Superman. I don't know, but uh, it, everyone always has these uh, arguments and these ideas of what a Superman movie should be, right? You know, some people say you shouldn't try to make it so realistic. He's like a magical alien from space. You got to get a little bit more whimsical with it. You know, he's got to be like this Boy Scout. He's got to save people. You know, everyone has this different idea of what Superman should be. So maybe this is a good opportunity. You know, you know, is Michael B. Jordan Superman Clark Kent? You know, but just a different actor in the role. Um, or is he just going to be a totally different person with a different origin? You know, maybe this is just kind of like almost like an alternate reality. Like this would be helpful if we actually knew the origin of the black Superman Mm -hmm. from comic books. Uh, but you know, off the top of my head, if I had to make something new, like this happens like all the time, I feel like in Superman lore. Oh, uh, guess what? Clark wasn't the only Kryptonian sent off the planet. Other people survived, you know, maybe Michael B. Jordan as a child made it off the planet and also wound up on earth and in in some ways. So, so I just did a quick google and, and this is right so there's a character called calvin ellis was the name i was thinking of um mm-hmm. who is uh it was actually a different universe superman like you said uh and they cross over in the final crisis book in the late 2000s um but apparently he was born to uh Jor-El and laura and on, on krypton and sent to earth to escape it as all superman but ended up by the poor but kind ellis family who called him calvin so oh gotcha so it's like literally the same story but just the the origin is tweaked uh just a little yeah, bit just for how just a hair you know not landing on a farm and in, in, in there and his is the names are a little different spelling so that you know ends up why he is essentially looks different as well 
Um, <laughs> whatever, whatever happens, don't have uh, yeah. uh, Superman's dad run into a tornado like a freaking idiot. Like, that yeah. just drives me crazy every time I watch that movie. Yeah. So uh, this is a this is an opportunity, right, to uh, to well, rewrite some mistakes. It also it leaves, I guess, it leaves the window open if Henry Cavill could possibly come back if this ends up being an alternate universe. Yeah, exactly. Or, or yeah, it could be, it, or it could go like you said, it could be a different one from this universe. But yeah, that would mean acknowledging Zack Snyder's movie. Uh, Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and they don't really want to do that, I think. Uh, so it's fine. It's a different story to, to kind of go along that. But also, yeah, this is also like the fourth project J.D. Abrams attached to over there. He's attached to what? Constantine <laughs> and the Justice League Dark as well. So I Ooh. would rather them actually start making official announcements and start, stop like hype, like giving us like little things that we don't know how, what's what's going on. I want some, some semblance. Ooh. I don't care if it's not connected. Don't connect it. I don't give it, I don't care. But, like, tell us what's going on. Like, yeah, we are doing Superman. It's not Henry Cavill. Here's our story kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side of that, speaking of Zack Snyder, Justice League, uh, a big Vanity Fair article came out this week, um, interviews with, with Zack Snyder and people uh, revolving around the Snyder Cut and, and you know, uh, a, a, like you said, a journalistic take on what's been going on, right, um, in interviewing this. And um, – you sent it to me. I, I think I saw it come through, and it's a huge article. I'm gonna lie. It took me maybe half hour to read it that evening, um, and it's interesting because it kind of dives into some of the background, you know, from Zack Snyder's point of view and from some of the other people who who no longer work there, producers, higher up, so on and so forth. Um, some things, you know, to take away is again, I think we've talked about this before, but Zack Snyder's not getting paid to work on this movie. Um, the Snyder, I think he took everything and is putting it towards, I believe, suicide prevention. Um, like he had oh, them donate toward that great. because most of this article focuses on his adopted daughter's um, suicide, which essentially put you know his family in turmoil, removed him from the project, and you know it was already in turmoil beforehand because of the critical reaction to Batman v Superman, um, and kind of escalated everything into you know um, the studio getting Joss Whedon on board and trying to make that movie for what it what it was. Uh, another thing is he actually um, took when he left the movie he took the version he had on a laptop and left and that's what his like keepsake was of the movie was the snyder cut was on a laptop he had and then as hbo max came out the people from hbo max came to him and said hey you know the fans know you know we want they want to do this movie can we release the one on your laptop and Uh he said no (laughs) um they wanted to release this unfinished version of the snyder cut and you know, I think he he mentions that you know that would give the studio an opportunity to say, look, it's not that good because you know it's not finished. It wasn't going to be that good anyways, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, because it's basically like an assembly cut, right? Unfinished VFX, you know, temp music, all of that stuff. Yeah. So like literally, so he kind of held those guns. He's like, you know, I'll only do it if I can do it the way I want to do it. Um, but also, Zack Snyder has not seen Joss Whedon's cut. Uh, I think his wife saw it, and maybe even I believe. Um, uh, who who's the um, Batman Begins director? Christopher Nolan told him, "Do not watch it. Like you will, it will, like ruin you to see this." Because I think he they say Whedon shot three re- shot three quarters of the movie. So, um, yeah, in, it's, it's interesting to read this whole article and kind of read it. I'm not saying Zack Snyder's right. I'm not saying it's going to be a great movie, but it's interesting to hear him like an interview, kind of thing, kind of talk about you know, there's a lot about the personal life and what was kind of going on difficulty in his life yeah. to get to that point not necessarily well, the making of the movie yeah it's it's basically like it's two different stories right it's the tragedy of behind the scenes and then the actual film itself 
And uh, I think like uh, we both just go back to, well, we saw the last two things that Zack Snyder did in this universe, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. Uh, things only got worse along those way. So I think it's just safe to assume in our minds that Justice League probably would have been at best the same, you know, as the previous movies that he made. So um, I guess this is more of a condemnation to go against uh, Joss Whedon again of just like, um, you did a bad job. You did such a bad job. We thought Zack Snyder made this movie. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not that's not a good compliment on either of them. But uh, like we've been saying for years and years and years now, it feels like um, we are anticipating this because it's so curious. It's such an odd uh, you know, just moment in time, experimentation, data point. Mm -hmm. Like, let's take a look at it and see what happens when a director really does get final say on his product, yeah. you know? And, and like I said, I'm going to liken this to the other DC project. Um, like I said, the uh, Superman 1 and 2, right? Superman 1 and 2 were filmed back-to-back -back, uh, with uh, Richard Donner. And then when 1 came out, they fired him and had Richard Lester have to reshoot 51% of the movie. And nobody was happy about it. Uh, and then in the mid 2000s, we got the full Richard Donner cut kind of restored a little bit um, to kind of see what this looks like. Uh, some other interesting facts is he is releasing this movie. He shot it on like a four three ratio, like all the trailers we saw, like almost square boxy. Right. Um, but it's not IMAX because IMAX cameras don't film sound, um, which I did not know that personally. Uh, so but they're going to release it in his four three cut that he he did it in. Like that's one of his stipulations. He releases it how he filmed it. And then the runtime is rumored to be four hours, one minute, and 28 seconds of this movie, uh, which includes an intermission and chapter breaks for people who can't stomach a full setting of four hours in one go. Chris, this the 4 by 3 thing is really confusing me. Like, it's confusing me the decision that's being made because, like, you know, if, like, there are some cutting-edge TVs that you'll, like, see at CES that, you know, can, like, pop out of a box and they can actually like achieve like a four by three aspect ratio and you can like watch IMAX stuff on it and it's like this big thing you know I guess theoretically you could even put like on a VR headset and really experience the four by three aspect ratio but this is a, a home HBO Max release 99% of the people watching this movie 99.9% .9 of the people are watching this are going to be on a wide screen mm -hmm. so I just don't understand why at least there's not a widescreen version I know we talked I talked about Avatar uh, you know, the last airbender being in four by three, but you know, that was the constraints of broadcast at the time. You know, that's the only way you can watch it. I would love it if it was in widescreen so it could fill my whole screen. But like, I mean, I can watch it. It's not like it's going to be unwatchable, but like, this is such a bizarre well, decision. So again, um, you, if you read the article, you, you'll find out, I've got the quote below. It says it in what may be a divisive move, which obviously it is for you. <laughs> Yes. Uh, is presenting the movie in the boxy 4x3 format rather than widescreen so that one day it could be watched on IMAX screens, which is how he filmed it, right? He didn't film it for home release. He filmed it for IMAX screens. Um, and some may be irritated by seeing it with black bars on either side, but Snyder isn't troubled by that. So uh, it's it's obviously <laughs> okay, it's, it's a creative choice on his behalf. I at least know that he creatively chose that rather than like just saying like this is, you know, uh, it just happened to be that way kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's just like you're a director. You know how to to shoot in IMAX and also crop for the yeah. appropriate widescreen. Like, make just he, make two versions. He, he, you know? he, but like, here's the thing: <laughs> then you're gonna get people who are like, well, which one's the official cut? Like, this is gonna oh, God, this is gonna yeah, nix it. This is the Snyder cut. We don't have to have another. 
All right, fine. <laughs> like, release the one that crops and shows more of Batman's feet than than Superman's head, kind of thing. So I, yeah. I think you know I I recommend giving this article a read. It's a little bit of a time suck, but I mean it is it it at no point was I like this is full of the normal Zack Snyder like self inflated ego that we normally see on his social media kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I I think it's very insightful and informative. So I would I would highly recommend people interested in this, whether you're going to like the uh, movie or not. Yeah, uh, uh, can I uh, offer a segue into our next oh, topic? Oh, please do. Uh, let's talk about a Zack Snyder movie that is going to be in 16 by 9 aspect ratio, and we will be able to uh, take advantage of our entire screen. Is this the re-release of, um, what's that one movie where he, he had the the, the zombies, or the, the people fighting in the dream states? What was that movie called? Oh. Uh, was that the one with the cheerleaders? Yeah, like yeah, the... yeah. No, I'm kidding. It, but it's the one where he's fighting <laughs> zombies. The Army of the Dead, the next Zack Snyder movie. Um, they have a teaser trailer release. It's like a one-minute long thing, right? Um, I thought they were going to play Hallelujah. I swear oh, to God, God they were going to play Hallelujah. Um, come to find out, actually, that song was his adopted daughter's, like, one of her favorite songs. Like, she recorded it and played it oh. all the time, which has a meaning to him. Which is interesting. Man, I swear, like, every single critical uh, opinion I have of Zack Snyder gets, like, pulled out of my body <laughs> because it's, like, attached to, like, something, like, tragic. And it's like, oh, God, I just need to shut up. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's just interesting to read that. But um, this uh, teaser trailer for Army of the Dead, uh, it's releasing May 21st on Netflix. We have a, like... The next three months are packed full of content for us, Mike, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this looks like uh, people are going into the zombie-infested Las Vegas to get to a safe, to get a bunch of money, and get out. Um, what money does in a post-apocalyptic world, I don't care. I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of money here. It looks you know, like a zombie movie, right? Why well, did you say zombie Elvis, you're sold uh, kind of thing? No, I did not say oh, that. Oh, somebody said zombie that. Elvis, I'm sold. I'm like, that's... No, this this trailer is weird. <laughs> it's like this... It's a smash-up of, like, high budget and low budget. Like, the zombies look awful to me. Like, I don't know if this is, like, an aesthetic choice where he's kind of going for, like, campy zombies, but, like, these feel, like, lower budget than... Um, not Z Nation, even though that kind of is. What what's the what's the Zombie Land? They kind of feel like even cheaper than Zombie Land. It's just like people in like old clothes and like blood makeup. And then there's like a a shot where there's kind of like a dolly through like an abandoned casino, and it just looks like they tried to artificially make the the um the slot machines like glow it's like somebody just like went in after effects and like put fake glows on them but then there's also like this highly polished like helicopter falling so i was like it just it looks really weird and bizarre to me so i don't know exactly how it's going to look in may once it releases um when did they film uh, this they they filmed this i'm trying to see so they filmed it in 2019 so yeah but snyder also filmed the whole movie he was a cinematographer yeah, but when I remember, I think the the first time we heard about this film, just the synopsis of it, I believe the reason why the money is still valuable is I think the zombie apocalypse is isolated to just this specific city. Oh. Like, it, I think Las Vegas or something has been, like, walled off or, you know, it's like it, this zone. I, it sounds like these these uh, this gang of just like, oh, you want to know where an easy place is to get a bunch of money? Uh, in that zombie zone, let's just break in and steal it. So I like the concept of it, but this trailer, nothing really visually looked appealing except you know dave batista being a badass but that's about yeah, it. yeah i think it's gonna be um actually like i said he did um we talked about last week uh was 
was that uh, Dawn of the Dead with James Gunn wrote the script, the redo back in 05. I want to see mm-hmm. kind of what he does with this because that one is, is is a good movie. And then also the only reason I'm interested is again, um, Tig Notaro replaced uh, was it Chris Delia uh, be, yeah. in, in like late 2020. So like through CGI and acting like new scenes, like they're gonna put her into these movies. So I'm interested to see how they do that. Really, at the end <laughs> yeah, of the me day. Too. Uh, other than that, it sounds like a zombie movie that most of these people are not going to make it. Like maybe like three people make it out with the money kind of thing, and someone mm-hmm. someone turns on them. I don't know. I don't. It's fine. It looks it looks interesting enough for me to to give it a go um, and not really worry about it. Um, funny thing is, the budget for this whole movie is about seventy million. Was how much it took them to fix the Snyder cut. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's interesting that you can make a whole movie out of it or fix fix another one with the same budget. Uh, that's it for the news, Mike. Now's our favorite part of the show, where we get to talk WandaVision. If you've not yeah. saw, seen the latest episode of WandaVision, episode 8, the next to last episode, don't listen to this. Go watch it. Get on your Disney Plus account. Watch it right now. Come back. We'll talk about it, because this yeah. episode is dense. Mike, this is yeah, a dense not, one. Not quite an hour-long episode, but the first thing I checked out was the runtime. I think we're, we were about like 45, 46 minutes, yeah. somewhere in that zone. So we're starting to get hour-long cable time, right? You know, if you threw commercials in there, you would be up to an hour. So uh, the episodes are getting longer. Yeah, so exactly. So we are getting that content. And it's very – I mean, this this episode it picks up kind of right where the last one left off, right? Like it doesn't really uh, linger too long into this. I think – uh, the intro is a little different. It gives us that Agatha Harkness is a witch, a, a, a witch coven, and she's practicing dark magic. Um, and then there's a coven of what maybe good witches um, that are like, no, you can't do that. And how does that go for them? Not very well. Um, she seems to be in possessive of some purple magic. And I want to talk about the colors of magic in this this move this this episode, Mike, because I think they're they're relevant all around, or will be later. Because the the blue magic is the witches trying to kill. Agatha during the Salem witch trials, but her purple mm-hmm. magic reminds me of Dormammu stuff, where she's like absorbing their magic and like absorbing mm-hmm. their life from them, which is interesting. Which makes me think she ties into that damn shark commercial from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. I mean, there, there's a lot to talk about in this episode, but if we have to talk about you know the the, the cold the open, cold if you will. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had weird feelings with this cold open. I, I knew the, the, the episode would end up writing itself and I would end up having a, a good time. But uh, for me personally, I have this weird connection with kind of the mythology of like the Salem witch trials and like early America, right? Because kind of the one thing about America on its own, or I guess the United States or however you want to say, it, it's not very old in the history of humanity, right? You know, our country is still relatively like new compared to other Western cultures. So when they go back to like, you know, the quote unquote ancient times of magic in America it's just like oh it's the east coast like I could travel there and I could find like a house that's still built still Mm -hmm. alive and well that people are living in that was in like the same like field that like the Salem witch trials happened in right so I I don't feel so far away removed from it um, in in a a timeline so it just kind of seems kind of cheesy to me when I watched the opening I was like oh this is kind of hard for me to believe like this seems like this is like a weird moment. So I just kind of let everything play out. And I just kind of more took it as like an origin for well, Agatha. Like, Oh, why is she bad? It, uh, she just wanted a bunch of power and she wanted it so bad. She killed her own mother. To well, get I, I, I think that's one thing to put, but I think it also is sitting seeds like, you know, magic and evilness, you know, again, have been rooted longer than we think they have been. 
right? Like, you know. Well, yeah, because when you look at like the the Sorcerer Supreme right. over in, what is it, Tibet, right? Yeah. You know, like to me with my Western sensibilities, you know, this is just me showing my Americanness. Like that seems so ancient to me, right? Oh, these villages in the mountains, they've been there for like, you know, thousands of years, you know, with all these ancient cultures, these ancient practices and stuff wrapped in all of this mythos of me, this, of this, uh, <laughs> this dumb American who doesn't know any of this stuff. So I look at that and I'm just like, oh, wow, yeah, I, it's totally believable to me that, you know, but, magic could have came from over there. And then I just look at like like these like Salem witches and I'm just like, what? What is this? Is this like the CW? What's going no, well, on here? So that's I guess that's just the the baggage I bring into. Yeah, the show, because right? you got to if you watch Doctor Strange, when what's his name? Um, uh, Agamotto went to, created the, the mystical things to protect Earth. Right. There were three created at the time. The one in Tibet, the one in Hong Kong. Uh, right. And then the, the one in uh, America or New York or whatever, the sanctums. So my guess is there is a sanctum in America that's been there for years or, or decades, you know, centuries, if not beforehand. Uh, it may not tie into this later, but I think it is setting the pace. Like, you know, there are other magic users that have been around a long time that, you know, we're not just talking, you know, uh, you know, Eastern magic. We also have Western magic users who may be, you know, tied in the covens and stuff like that along the way. It's interesting, cold open, but it makes me wonder how has Agatha lived so long, right? That's my that's my question that we we're we're either going to get an answer to or we're not going to get an answer to. Well, I mean, it's like what the the the, the classic witch stories, right? I feel like they're always eating children yeah. or something, right? That's always like they're, they're sucking magic from somebody. They're doing to stay something, alive. and I think that's going to tie into why she has one. She wants her magic, right? Like, she, I mean, maybe she wants to absorb her magic. Maybe she's been absorbing magic from other magic users along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but this goes into and takes um, again Wanda on a journey through her history to find out that she has always latently had abilities. Uh, yeah, that that was a big reveal, and also that the episode was aptly titled previously yes. on, really leaning into that the, that trope. Yeah, like this is a flashback episode, right? Of of Agatha or not Agatha, um, Wanda's life. Of all these stories, we've actually heard. We've heard every one of these stories in her life um, through the other movies. Again, again, watching Age of Ultron recently really put me in the mindset. Luckily, of like she's telling the story of the bomb, her and her brother telling the story of the bomb taking out mm. the family. Uh, yeah, and that that is that's what's so cool about these Disney Plus series. This is the thing that the Netflix Marvel shows could never do: intercut footage from these movies, right? Like they're doing like flashbacks to like in to like Infinity War, where like Vision dies, and we're cutting to you know stuff that happened in Age of Ultron and stuff. And it's all so seamless, you know. You don't see like you don't see the line anywhere, right? You don't see really the visual effects or the camera, you know the uh, you know, just the cinematography. It's not like this jarring change to see like this cut. So it's just like you really see them taking advantage of the whole universe that they've laid out there with all yeah. these movies, just in these like little flashbacks. And while this resets Wanda's origin a little bit, this is what we would call a retcon uh, in in comic books. It doesn't feel out of place, like you mentioned, right? Like like oh, we just never knew her history. She just you know, why did the stone give her powers? Well, it woke up something latent in her. And it was fun to see that. They also noticed, I don't know if you noticed, the little kids, Wanda and Pietro, were recast from the Halloween episode, I believe, because those were told from Pietro's ex perspective and not Wanda's vision. Oh, okay. So this is a little fun fact. And then, you, like you said, yeah, this is where we get to see why is this all in comedy sitcom TV shows? Well, Wanda mm -hmm. grew up watching these with her family, and you know that's her love for them. It's drawn from this you know briefcase of essentially you know, I guess snuck in um, 
movies from yeah, it, Sokovia. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like that they were going to flip it on the streets of Sokovia. Yeah. Uh, so they were going to, I guess, watch, keep some of them, watch some of them. I don't know, maybe pirate copy some of them. But we do know kind of Sokovia from the uh, the world is, you know, I guess like second world. I don't know if yeah. it's quite third world, but, you know, it was struggling a little bit. So I could totally see like bootleg American stuff being mm-hmm. uh, being sold over there. It was so It's so weird to see a crate open up and you see like I Love Lucy and then Malcolm in the middle, yeah. like Frankie Muniz's face. Like right next to it, it's like, wow, look at all this TV. So, quite an eclectic mix that uh, Wanda grew up with for sure. But I guess we are to assume that if Wanda and her latent early witch powers, which Agatha said would have otherwise died on the vine, so I guess now we're kind of adding some lore to the MCU that if you are a magic user but you just like ignore it, it, it just kind of dies. So, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I guess we also have to assume that just through, um, just DNA or just family lineage that maybe Pietro possibly had yeah, some of that too. That's what I thought. Because they're the other twins. Because they're kind of saying, yeah, they're kind of saying that, or they're insinuating with some of the experiments that um, Hydra did um, that you kind of have to have this latent magic in you, or the stone will just straight up kill you. Yeah. Right. It, it remind. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think we're gonna get those answers for him, but you know, it would be interesting. You know, to if they were to bring him back or whatever, they could. You know how did how, what magic did he have and how did that what woke up in him that made him fast what what kind of magic is that um along yeah, the way. it's an interesting choice because i'm curious why they even needed to do it because at least from my point of view uh they could have just said the stone gave her the magic and just move forward i didn't necessarily need the origin of her being a like a latent witch you know i guess in the lore i guess these sokovian fortune tellers also could have been witches you know and then that's kind of where some of the headpiece design comes from i guess just in 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 the witch community across the world there's kind of these headpieces that you you put on your costume either with energy or maybe possibly uh fabric but i i almost could have seen a storyline where agatha was just like oh that's why you're so powerful and you can do all this stuff you weren't like born with like terrestrial magic like we all are. You were given your magic, and that's that also explains why you don't really know how to use it and stuff like that. So that's kind of the story that they went with, but they just also added she kind of but, has like these yeah. this witch past. The the the, inter- the the fun thing is like oh that's a probability hex when the when when Wanda was interested in the comic books, all she could do was probability magic. Um, she wasn't mm. the super powerful magician uh, that we know and love. So I thought that was like a fun throwback nod to her comic book origin that mm. she was doing a, a probability. And also the blinking Stark missile is the blinking Stark toaster from the first commercial. That's the same red light blinking. Oh, yeah, so, the blink, the blink. Oh, they did. So that so yeah. you're trying to see this. And then the next one is her thing at Hydra where she goes to the stone and then like it looks like everything just happens instantly. Like the footage is is wiped again. Like everything else mm-hmm. she does, and she kind of sees like it looks to be like a a visage of herself possibly in the future. Whatever the mind stone showing her of what she could mm-hmm. become, and then I believe um, the next one after that. What was the third one? Um, was oh the creation of uh, you know her her. Coming yeah. back to life and finding the vision's body and, and doing all this stuff. Yes, we have some answers finally. So, at least what it. So, we all thought that vision, at least I thought, I don't know about you, Chris, but we all thought that vision in the hex was his parts. Yeah 
put back together and he was like being puppeted or maybe uh, planted some sort of, uh, you know, mind inside of him that brought him back to life. But no, she just physically created a whole new vision because uh, at at her base, Wanda is basically powered by the Mind Stone. Uh, Vision was birthed from the Mind Stone. I guess he had the always the Mind Stone on him. So I guess it kind of makes sense, right? No, no, Soul Stone. No, no, neither. She's not powered by the stone. I, I don't think that at all. I think she's powered by this chaos magic to create things. And so when she creates him, he, she doesn't have any of the memories before of him, right? So she creates him. But, like, I forgot that there's a scene at the Avengers compound, by the way. Um, but that that's eh. but she goes and she finds a note saying, you know, for when she finds this empty house for whenever they want to have a life together, right? Like a, like a little thing. But she did not steal his corpse. That's the, the, the interesting part we were led to believe that she stole mm-hmm. his corpse. So, you know, she didn't steal it. She came there, had this burst of emotion and energy and created literally the house, created the vision out of thin air and created this entire hex with, with her own creation uh, out of this emotion, which leaves the body of the vision still in the hands of sword, um, mm-hmm. which was in pieces, which was very creepy by the way, to see that uh, up close and personal and know that she didn't steal it. She's not, you know, doing a Muppet version of, of the vision around like controlling him that this is like, that's why he was falling apart outside of the hex. Like he wasn't decommissioning himself. He's really created within the hex, which makes me wonder what her children are going to do by the way, uh, when that, that goes away. But then we get the stinger credit, Mike, that ties all this together is the white vision powered back to life by her magic on the missile. Um, which is a, that is a beautiful shot, by the way, of Paul Bettany in all white, a essentially a a, a um, personalityless vision shell, right? A corpse of just a a, a robot. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, like much uh, like many of the viewers, uh, uh, straight to Google. Yes. Right after uh, the show is over, uh, and searching a white vision, I was. I was familiar with the existence of a vision that was all white, but I did not know the history or origin or anything like that. So I did a little bit of Googling. You filled me in a little bit. So yeah. this is indeed like straight from the comic books of like a, um, a personality, uh, uh, an empty husk of vision that is kind of taken over yeah. by the bad yeah, guys. Yeah, this, this whole story is kind of taken, uh, adapted from the Vision Quest storyline of the 80s Avengers um the vision was created with the personality of Ultron and Wonder Man and Hank Pym, but then you know he's destroyed. They rebuild him, but they don't have Wonder Man's brain vision, so he's just essentially a robot, right? An unfeeling robot uh, for for several years. So we're gonna have this white powered vision who is probably gonna go into the hex. This makes me think, you know, does Agatha know about this vision? Is there gonna be two villains here in the finale coming up? An Agatha villain and a white vision villain. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be a crazy battle, right? It's going to be Agatha and White Vision versus uh, Monica Rambeau, uh, Scarlet Witch, which that's her name now. Yep. They called her the Scarlet Witch, which was kind of like that was a uh, that was Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Oh, they said her name. They said her name. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, we did. We, there there wasn't a whole lot to really pull out of the the scene, like you mentioned, of uh, Vision and Wanda talking the Avengers compound. But I, I think we got it. We got a 
at least mention that the amazing line that was written for yeah. it where where he says that grief is love persevering which yeah. i've seen a lot of people really connecting to online like that that yeah. is just a really that's just like a perfect line and it's like it's surprising because you would think that you know somebody writing that scene would just go online and maybe look for like quotes about love or quotes about loss and just like plug something in and you know vision say like oh when i scan the internet when i was born you know mm-hmm. i these are all these quotes that i pull from but this is like something like new that I haven't quite heard before or like just it was very eloquently stated which really kind of just goes to show you like why Wanda really mm-hmm. would fall for somebody it, like Vision and then they bond over Hal from Malcolm in the Middle hurting himself yeah. so it's just it, it was well it's also one of the shows that they pulled actual like clips from Dick Van Dyke and Malcolm in the Middle there but yeah it's like this show's written mm-hmm. wonderfully the the actors are doing great to sell these relationships um, and I, I think, you know, I'm going to leave with my one theory here. We now have a, a working vision body. Do you think somehow when this is all said and done, Wanda will be able to merge her version of the vision into this shell? Yeah, I mean, I really, really personally want Paul Bettany to stick around. Yeah. I love his interpretation of vision. It's so much fun. It's so great. But if this just, if these like nine episodes just end up being Wanda's just journey for dealing with grief and he ultimately isn't around anymore and we just have, and this is just her dealing with loss, I'm totally okay Mm. with that narrative as well. It's kind of beautiful on its face. And then it seems like her children might still possibly be around because God, how depressing would that be if her kids, you know, just vanish, you know, she's already connected to them. So, yeah, it seems like she's going to be going through, you know, uh, kind of her own version of therapy, like Agatha said she was destined for. You know, she's going to have kind of this breakthrough moment. I could see at the end of the episode, the hex will break. She'll be through a lot of this, like, anguish and trauma. Vision will be uh, able to live. The, these kids will be kind of born out of nowhere. Yeah. They'll be actually real people with a senti- sentience, even though they kind of already have it. And we'll be able to move forward. We'll have like two brand new characters out of this show that'll have uh, these oh, superpowered abilities um, and spectrum. Oh, Mon- yeah, yeah, Monica Rambeau. So who knows uh, if they're going to keep the kids young? Are they a little too young for the Young Avengers? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the Young Avengers could possibly babysit these kids. Uh, you know, uh, they're, so they're, I, I imagine there's going to be a really fun a fight scene. There's going to be lots of special effects, a lot of money on the screen at the end of the week here on Friday mm. with uh, episode I, nine. And I think there's still one more cameo coming. I think the only reason I think Vision will live is because it would be even, I think even more depressing to have like kids without a father kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so I think they're going to try to keep this family unit together. However, they may, may mm-hmm. do that. But also I still think there's one big cameo left somewhere in here. I, I think we're going to get somebody. I don't know who, yeah. Doc, is it Doctor Strange? Is it Mordo? Who, who is it? What is it? If it is or if it isn't a cameo, I'm really looking forward to the, the, the post-credit scenes, yeah. if you will. Because, I mean, it's the first time we've had a post-credit scene to set up the next thing in a while. Will it be Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Will it be Doctor Strange? Will it be the Spider-Man movie? Who knows? But one thing that we should touch on before we wrap up the show, we got kind of a little bit more information about Pietro um, Evan Peters, right? I, I, I feel like we still don't have a 100% of an answer, but now I don't know if we're even going to get one because Agatha says, oh, I would have brought your kind of real brother back to life. You know, yeah. I would have done the necromancy on him, but his corpse is on another continent. But then she never explains 
why we get the corpse that we have now, right? You know, if it was like a townsperson, right? You know, if it was a dead guy from the graveyard, you know, of this, was it called Westview? Westview. Is that the town yeah. that they're in? Um, it, you know, you know, maybe we could have like seen his gravestone I, or something. I don't know. There just there hasn't really been an explanation for why did it have to be Evan Peters, I, right? You know, so, like it could have been any actor. It could have been literally anybody. So, why do you pick the only other actor who's also be, played Quicksilver? Because this show is so goddamn meta, it can do that and mess with everyone who thinks it's X Men related. Like it's a show with shows inside of it about a show, like kind of thing. Trying to figure out why it's created. I don't think it's a. Yeah, I don't think I it's get, a corpse. By the way, I, I think it's actually a person because the last time he sounds like Stooper is going to snoop. Right, he's going to play. He's going to have Monica. Is, is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? That's the question because. Well, I think he might be a corpse though because there is that moment where they're at the Halloween festival and we briefly do get to see his body underneath. Now, in that moment when you're watching the episode, you think she's seeing her dead brother, you know, mm-hmm. from Sokovia. Oh, that's why he looks like a corpse. But he might actually look like a corpse because he is a corpse, possibly. Well, he, I don't he's, know. Wearing, he's wearing but, the, the, the Quicksilver outfit with the same bullet holes. Yeah. They, they all lined I, up. You know, I. I like the I, I don't necessarily hate the idea if they're doing this to be like, you know, meta and mess with you. But I almost kind of like I think you possibly had this idea when we talked about a previous episode where like, oh, maybe the kids sit down to watch a movie and they're watching one of the X-Men movies. Mm. Right. With Quicksilver in it. Then I kind of get like the meta-ness of just like, oh, this is just a character from like one of the movies that you watch and I'm brought into your world. So. I still want an explanation of why it didn't have to be Evan Peters. And if if that ends up just being the showrunner being interviewed in a couple weeks saying like, oh, we just thought it would be fun to bring this actor in. Okay, that that's fine. I got my answer. But as of right now, we, we are pretty much shored up on Vision. We know why he's there, if yeah. he is alive or isn't alive. We know what's going on. But I still don't have all my answers on Evan Peters. Well, so I'm still on Evan Peters. Watch. We'll see what happens episode yeah. nine on Friday. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm loving that they didn't mention interman- interdimensional things this this episode, so we'll we'll knock on wood. Now I think I, I I got there's a lot of characters in this, right? We have Darcy, we have Randall Park's character, we have you know Monica Rambo, we have this um, Pietro and, and the the kids and Vision and Double Vision. Uh, that's a great song, but, Double yeah, Vision. right. Um, and, and then the the uh, the Hayward guy. I mean, there's a lot to wrap up here. Hopefully. It doesn't end in like oh everything's happy and a nice bows on it that maybe some of this sets up for future MCU stuff so um, yeah is Agatha her. gonna get defeated is she gonna run off and find Mordo and they'll team up I you hope know? they don't is she gonna her. be defeated like is she gonna be in like a magical jail cell and like Mordo comes to like break her out mm. I don't know but there'll be something yeah there's gonna be something I, again um no 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 confirmation or or even mentioning of Mephisto either which is interesting so yeah. Also, I don't think it was ever necessarily promised, but there's never been a wisp of a season two, right? They you said know, there's no like season this, two. Yeah, this is this is this is our one-off. Yeah. This is it, WandaVision. And, and I think we've three. talked about it before. You can't redo this premise again, um, like of her making TV shows and figuring out why they're TV. Yeah, shows. there's no season. Yeah, there's no season two where it's like, oh, all of a sudden we're not in TV land. We're in movie land. Yeah, and, it could know, be. We're doing a romantic. The comedy. next one could be the visions and like deal with like the whole family dynamic of, of like yeah. being together. So uh, but that's fun. That's that's cool with me. All right. Well, that's our show for the week, Mike. Let's wrap it up and get on out of here. So uh, people want to know what you're up to. Where can they find you at? 
Well, they can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. I put out a new comic this week. You can find it over there and also on my social media as well. So you can go check that out. It's about vampires. I think it's funny. That's the whole reason I make it because I thought it was funny. So if you go like it, uh, if you like it, give it a like a retweet, give it a like, do whatever you got to do. You can find that at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, see all the cool arcade cabinet stuff you're doing. Oh, you yeah. You. you can find me on Twitter, uh, Valdan, V-A-L-D-A-N, or more visual on Instagram, uh, Valdan87 over there. Uh, yes, I'm working uh, on. I'm doing woodworking right now, Mike, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do uh, because I'm more about programming and making things work on a computer, so I'm learning as I go. Uh, people know more about the show, our review episodes we do. Where can they find all that stuff at? Oh, all you got to do is visit SuperheroSlate.com. That's the best place to find all the avenues we host our show. Get our awesome show notes. Check out the show notes this week because you can get a link to uh, Bougie Q's uh, Twitch channel. You can watch him stream Apex. Uh, you know, that's his little birthday present here. And uh, you can also get our upcoming releases calendar. We talked about like a million things this episode. When are they coming out? Check out our upcoming releases calendar. You'll see all of the release dates for all of the stuff over there. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever else you love to listen to find podcasts. And you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And you can get merch at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. Uh, we, we love it when people reach out and when they review the show. We love uh, kind words and just uh, it keeps us going. We love making the show. And we love that people like it. So if you're liking what you're hearing, uh, drop us a review on whatever possible podcast app you're doing I don't even know if you can review a show on Spotify I don't know if they have that functionality so I'm sure a Spotify algorithm would love you sharing the Spotify link possibly I don't know uh, but do whatever you got to do if you if you love us because we love you and we love our super fans so if you want to be a super fan of the show all you got to do is share the show with a buddy Share the show with a friend. Uh, social distance, wear your mask, get your vaccine, mm-hmm. and get your second one on time. And hopefully things will be back to normal so we can go to the theaters on Christmas and watch Spider-Man um, No, no way, home. way Home. There you go. Instead of Brought st- it all the way back to the ex- beginning. Exactly. <laughs> we want Spider-Man No Way Home instead of Spider-Man Stay at Home. Okay, that's what we're, yes, we're shooting exactly. for. So we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Did you try that tangerine smart water from Coca-Cola? Oh, yeah, I drank it all that first day. It sucked. Yeah, it's just like it's weird. Like, I was like, I want this carbonated. Like, why is it? It's like flat LaCroix.